Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano aka The Don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast brought to you by Comic Book Click and as you know I am never alone sir please introduce yourself. I'm Peter Melnick of The Marvelists. Yes, Peter Melnick is here in studio, and guess what? We have a special guest here. Ma'am, please introduce yourself. Hi there. My name is Dalen Roll, and I'm a writer and contributor for a lot of websites like SlashFilm, LairMulton.com, and my own website, MagicalMode.com. Dalen is here. Peter is here. And we are here to take a trip to hell because Hellboy is right around the corner. So we thought we couldn't do anything better but try to take a deep dive into all things Hellboy, really talk about Big Red. Um, I thought wait, I was going back to college because going <laughs> back to hell. I'm like, oh no, no. I mean, it's all it's all pretty similar. But um, I guess uh, we should just uh, get right into it. What What were you guys' first impressions of Hellboy, and how did you first uh, hear about the character? Um, so I guess I'll go first. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so I uh, came to know about Hellboy actually through discovering Mike Mignola. Okay. Um, the main reason or way that I discovered Mike is through the movie Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which what? is a Disney uh, movie. Right, right, right. Um, uh, Mike was the character designer and concept, like, uh, I guess, you know, person that they went to for concept designs for the movie Mm -hmm. because if you watch a lot of the movie the hand designs of the characters all are very Mignola-ish and he was definitely like a conceptual artist when it came to like the set designs and like a bunch of other stuff so as a little kid or like you know 10 or 11 I was like what? What's this stuff? This guy. They keep yeah. mentioning him in the behind the scenes stuff. I gotta figure out who this is. So um I ended up then looking into his work and I found Hellboy and I was just like, this is so cool. But then it became 2004 and the movie was going to come out. So I decided, all right, I got to get like into the Hellboy like right. zone. And uh-huh. then I was just like, this is this is my love. Did I you love get like it. a gigantic red hand? <laughs> I wish. I wish I had a gigantic red hand. You just took a whole hand and painted it Wait, red. So, so did you know a lot about the character prior to the 2004 movie? Like, did you, were you got, like gearing in? I did. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Did that make, did that make the experience more enjoyable? Yeah. Well, when we like get into talking about the movie, like I definitely like want to dive into like what it was like. Cause trust me in like 2004, like 13 to slash 14 year old me <laughs> awesome, right? was very like, whoa. This yeah. is a lot for me to process. Like right. I have a lot of teenage feelings going on right, <laughs> right now. Right. And I I love the source material just because I love monsters and I love, you know, weird like religious cult stories, but yeah. I also love mythology and folklore. So I definitely was like already hooked into the world of Hellboy immediately. And also like wartime stories and right. like Nazi insanity is I'm also into. So yeah, all that stuff I was immediately into it yeah they tie a lot of uh, historical real historical um um elements events and uh, like you said a lot of old folklore across different countries and religions um were you a fan of the comics going in Pete, or do you think you got in with the film so i got in first through the film and okay. i remember when the movie came out I was, it was uh 2004 right yeah mm-hmm. 2004 DVD comes out and my mom was like heavily into like first off just getting DVDs in general like it was always like a recurring trip to Best Buy and picking up stuff and I remember when the movie came out we I didn't know about it in theaters I never got to see any of the trailers never saw any of it okay and she was like oh it's hell it's horror I'm gonna watch that thing. right right so I'm watching it because she's watching it I'm like wow this is good 
right. well, holy hell, this is good. No pun intended. Right. But, um, you know, I was getting into it through that way. And then it didn't happen until a few more years later. I'm in college getting back into comics. And I remember my, my friend Paul and he was heavily into that because of the art style, the thick lines and just Mignola's style. Just, which by the way, people look at his names written. It's not Mignola. Like yes. we've been saying it's yes. Mignola. Yes. Mignola. So, Mignola. Mignola. The idea of that style, like that attracted me because I'm a big, you know, Jack Kirby fan and his style borrows heavily from Jack Kirby's art style, you know, with very ang- like square shapes, blockiness. Yeah. But in a good way. It's not, you know, bad blocky. It's good blocky. But also, like, pronounced, like, negative space. Exactly. And use of color and whatnot. Yeah, I think it, it might have been Seed of Destruction, but he actually dedicated one of those books to Kirby. Yeah. yeah that was around on. the time Kirby passed in 94. Yeah. And so, so early early on, um, he already uh, dedicated that to one of his influences. And, yeah, getting into the comic book... Um, those shadows, man. I those, know. Those shadows, like it's almost more about the black in every image uh, than it is about the color. And majority yeah. of those pages being so dark, it um speaks to the gothic nature of a lot of those stories that they it tell. Does. Very yeah. Lovecraftian. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, which is was right up Del Toro's alley. But I will get into that. In yeah, second. yeah. Let's get into a little <laughs> bit of the nitty gritty when it comes to the character. So actually, I wanted to rewind real quick. You mentioned oh. about shadows. Personally, yeah. color from Mignola's work is like what really attracts me. Yeah, I, mean, I totally. love like the flat colors because there's a lot of artists out there that do you know very digital, like three D ish kind of color. Like I'm going through uh, the Brian Michael Bendis run of New Avengers, and yeah. I just did you know took a little detour into uh, Mark Millar's Civil War. Yeah. Okay, and it's a lot of three D ish coloring, like you have yeah. the shading and all that. Mignola's work would not benefit from that. It would benefit from the flat colors. And ironically, there's another artist, a very big name, Frank Miller. Yeah. Frank's art should not have that, you know, glossy kind of color to it, you know, shiny or whatever. It should be flat colors, just like Bignola. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I remember, like, what what I think of when I think of that are his eyes. Hubble's yeah. eyes yeah. are flat, yellow. Sometimes in the shadows, that's all you see. Yeah. And same thing with, um, well, we'll get into it with him too, Lobster Johnson. Yeah. His, his yeah. goggles, just those orange circles in right. the distance. And like I said, no shadow, no... um gradients you yeah. know or anything yeah. else like that yeah. uh, or highlights yeah but just you can still feel them glowing right in yeah. the distance even though there is no uh special you know yeah. artistic uh, influence placed on those things yeah. so i thought oh that was pretty cool yeah and you can also tell that like there's moments where mignola is so good at choosing when the eyes are shown yeah you oh, know yeah. Yeah. like it's not just like oh you know like every panel gonna just like have you have that emotional connection to Look the character? Those eyes. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, he he chooses the right moments that really inf- affect the character yeah. and allow you to be like into his like soul right. and you know exactly find kind of his mind state right. and stuff and um yeah because uh it still finds a way to be very expressive even with the minimal changes that he does or where he chooses to focus. Because a lot of this time, then this is what drew me to comic books in general, is that this is directing. This is, right. you know, yeah. uh, storyboarding. This is, um, he's picking and choosing these shots, quote unquote, right. yeah. for his movie. Yeah. And so every one of them is important. This is his director's cut. And he right. writes and draws for this. So this yeah. is all. Yeah. Well, not in the first couple oh, no, of that issues. Was, was that John Byrne? Yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah. 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 John, you got burned. Yeah. <laughs> But, they don't want to get burned. Well, you could definitely tell, like, when the comics initially started, especially with Seed of Destruction, that, like, this was very much not Mignola's 
way yeah. of storytelling because there's a lot of moments where like you hear Hellboy's narration yeah. and what he's thinking and there's lots of kapow and you know moments of action that are audibly you know written right right but in the other comics slowly it just becomes this more moody like atmospheric style that Mignola is more interested in where he just shows panels yeah. and you don't need to hear like the pow and the sounds and the the wing zoom of it all it's yeah. more just about like seeing the character be in this very creepy atmospheric calm chill environment that's terrifying in a lot of ways i i feel like that w- that way of storytelling almost um ex- it gives you a sense that everything has been there. Yeah. Like the, every place he's visited has always been there. And Hellboy himself, you know, uh, we'll get into his origins in a bit, but he's always been here. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so a lot of what you see with the character is this um, level of uh, like being just being nonchalant to everything where yeah. a lot of the what he sees, you should be screaming your head off for him seeing himself in the mirror. Sometimes you probably should be screaming your head off. Yeah. But um, he's he's done it. He's done it all. He's been yeah. through it all. He's done it all. He's a war-torn veteran, dude. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't care. Yeah, you know? He's definitely gone through yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but Hellboy, a.k.a. and uh, Let me know if I'm saying this right. Anung Unrama? Am uh, I uh, it is... Um... WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, no, it's... Um... Uh, oh yeah, Anung Rama. Anung Rama, oh, or, yeah. or Big Red, or yeah. Hurricanrana, or Hurricanrana. <laughs> <laughs> um, created by Mike uh, Mignola, like a uh, Mignola. filet mignon. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, like the, a fine the, steak. Yeah, the cheese a little silent. That's it. Yeah, just, just a, a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. Mignola, Mignola. A little bit softer now. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, he first appeared in San Diego Comic Con Comics issue number two, where they had a little short story about him. But um, he, uh, his his biggest story or his biggest introduction comes into that uh, Seed of Evil story that we were talking about, where um, our bo- our boy Hellboy was summoned from hell to Earth as a baby on October fifth uh, um, by Nazi occultists. We see um, our man Rasputin, yes, working with uh, the Nazis. They've uh, hired him. They, they've gone to the point where the war is just so uh, unpredictable that they now are going to the occult. Yeah. You know, screw yeah. it. Where's why not? Yeah, yeah, you understand? We're hedging our bets. If it's not going to work in this plane, it's probably working the next. I mean, to me, I think if you're going to marry two incredible evils, why not put Rasputin with the uh, third right? You, you know? Understand? Like, and so, yeah. like you were saying um, before, you get a little bit of this aspect of Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. Where you have... The, you have uh, this ancient evil, well, I guess not that ancient. It's not you haven't been a hundred years yet, but you know, a history, a history, a historical evil. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. A yeah. historical evil, and then Rasputin, man. Yeah. Well, it was a shot, uh, stabbed, yeah. castrated, yeah. drowned. Yeah. Um, you know, a Give man with a bad noogie. Yeah, a man, with, a man <laughs> with a bone to pick. He, got, he gave him a wedgie, a swirly, and then they killed him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, Rasputin, you know, was like a man of like politics, and you know, in the midst of like this insanity with the you know Russian Revolution yeah. and all this stuff. So it makes sense, like out of all of the historical figures, he would also be the one that's like low key a warlock. Yeah, yeah you know, yes, that yes, would yes. be like, yeah, I want to summon demon. that demonic shit. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and so he he comes and he's using a a, a combination of technology and magic. Yes. opens up a portal. Um, to what he thinks is going to help not only himself, but the Nazis win this war. Um, I got to remember the name. Oh, the, he believes that he's going to try to uh, unleash the Agdru Jihad. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah. yeah. The seven-headed dragon of, uh, I think it's down around here somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, no, the Agdru uh, uh, Jihad. Yeah, Agdru Jihad. Yeah, yeah. So it's a seven-headed dragon of Revelation times. Yeah. That will come. And this this threat 
of this uh dragon, this this Cthulhu like beast, is literally in every story everywhere because yeah. we find out that um Hellboy who was summoned um by Rasputin in this experiment with the Third Reich, uh his right hand is the key to opening up the gateway to let this dragon in to do uh, all kinds of of horribleness. Yeah, well, in so this. in the comics, one of the things that's like really interesting to think about is that this right hand is actually not something that was literally only made for him. Yeah. You know, like this was created by a greater spirit. I believe his name was An- Anum. Yeah, Anum. He, yeah, he was an angel, yeah. Yeah, and he essentially was like, well, you know, I'm one of these greater spirits who's here to watch over Earth. Eh, you know, I'm just gonna make these like creepy dragons. Just in case, see you know? what you see what happens. And you know, the um other spirits were like infusing powers in it, but the ones that were good were like, mm, a nun, like, I don't know if this is like a great idea for you to be doing this. And they actually got really mad at him because these dragons, who were essentially the first like specimen or creation of Earth ever essentially are also the key to destroying earth right so therefore they're not really doing any good existing so you know having um this hand that's essentially the key to unlocking them was never something that was directly meant for hellboy but his dad who is also a a demon yeah yeah, asriel yeah was just like you know what buddy yeah, he cuts your hand. <laughs> he cuts off his son's hand. Yeah, grabs this hand of Anon. This yeah. this this uh this angel or uh, demonic angel yeah. in some cases. Yeah. Um, keeping it safe. It's almost yeah. like when you see the whole uh, uh, handcuffing yourself to the suitcase kind of situation. Yeah, you know the yeah. nuclear football kind of deal. Oh my god. Um, and so, <laughs> I, do you trust this child? This this small. I mean, this is a big responsibility, right? To it put is. this thing on this on this. Oh. Well, I mean, boy. for a child, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. That's and, true. You, know, you have a spider involved and you have spandex, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's a franchise. Yeah. That's true. And yet we have to be bone saw first. Everyone knows you got to make <laughs> bone sure. Bone saw is ready. <laughs> bone saw is always ready. That's, 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 the, uh, that's what people need to remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, little, um, although right where he was at, Rasputin's um, experiment seems to not work. Right. So the Nazis are all like, Bro, we need want our money back. This is this is not <laughs> this is not how we thought this was gonna work. But um, over where Professor Broom is, along with his me- fellow members of the uh, Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense (BPRD), BPRD, <laughs> a portal does open, and Hellboy does arrive. And um, even though he's clouded in fire, it's actually very similar to the the. There's a panel in um. Daredevil uh, Born Again. Yeah. Where he's shrouded in the fire. Um, In the same sense, you have this devil, this little devil child. And you can already tell that um, there's something kind of big on his hand. And I think in the film, I'm not too sure they do it in the comic. They're like, oh, he's got a weapon or something. He's got a rock. No, he he already, like, literally from the moment he was born, his dad, like, chopped off his right hand and put this giant clay stone key on yeah. him so even as a little baby he had it too yeah, yeah. so back in the day this was i want to say on a thursday but uh-huh. it was back in the day there was a tweet that i had sent through my old partner from uh, audible exquisite mike norin he asked with that big gigantic rock hand uh-huh. how does he even get the the jacket on oh yeah that is yeah that is no it, it is true but i think <laughs> i i always like to think that if you look at the way that um, Hellboy's drawn, right, yeah. he definitely has a very, like, I want to say, like, very baggy 
Yeah, like sleeve. billowy. They're like billowy. Right. Uh, and if the BPRD has been making jackets for him since 19, like, 45, yeah. right? Then they're just like, you know, well, we're just going to oversize the trench coat. Like, yeah. no biggie. Yeah. In the interest of fairness, we did get an answer. Oh. Mignola told us. The magic of comic books. <laughs> so, no, I was going to ask, is that, is, um, is the jacket canonically fireproof? I th- I believe so. Yeah, right. Well, knowing that. the BPRD, they're people that think through all these things. They're, you know, people that deal with fairies, with witches yeah. and goblins. So I think they would make, uh, Baba Yaga, I believe they would make a fireproof coat. So let's talk, about, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that because I think that has a lot to do with the Hellboy mythos. Let's talk a little bit about the BPRD, this uh, Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. Um, a lot of, a lot of um, comparisons people make to Men in Black. Yes. And I don't know. Is that a fair comparison to make? Is that a, is that sliding one to, to, you know? Yeah. So in my personal opinion, I guess we could get a little bit into the conversation of the movies, just a small bit. Sure. Um, I was very frustrated watching the first movie as much as I love it that, you know, it it was created in a time where MIB was such a big deal, yeah. right? And for a lot of film-going audiences, the way for them to understand a strange, like, paranormal, like, group that works and fights you know, aliens and whatnot was to make it just like MIB. It's secret. It's underground. It has like this slick kind of matrixy design, yeah. right? But in the comics, the BPRD isn't like that. The BPRD is boardrooms with, you know, giant like, uh, you know, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like presentations. With, oh, right. Like PowerPoint presentations. PowerPoint presentations. But they're yeah, like, yeah. all right, uh, we're going to talk about the history of, you know, blah, blah, blah thing that happened in 1944. Yeah. Here's all the slideshow pictures. Click, click, click. Like, there's none of this, like, technological, like, here's a button where you can erase people's memories. Right, like, right. None of that stuff. It's not this beautiful, like... Um, well, it is beautiful in a way, but it's not this very shiny, sleek. glossy, sleek right, okay. '90s sort of thing. Oh, and, the '90s. Yeah, <laughs> right. And as much as I love that sort of aesthetic that MIB has, the BBRD isn't like that. The BBRD is homegrown, like it's hidden, but it's also about the rustic, hard, like aged nature of everything. Uh, you know, that almost reminds me of how a lot of people ended up taking uh, Suicide Squad. They yeah. they say that Suicide squad um took a lot of influence bad or good from guardians like yeah. guardians comes out introduces a whole team uses music to its motif but then they took all the good things about guardians and just shoved it in our faces and it's yeah. like well th- that's they're not the same right. so i right. think on the topic of guardians obviously because as, as star lord himself right resident uh the funniest thing about that movie is i feel like margot robbie has in her claws an like at least from 2016 until 2017 or 15 to 17, uh-huh. every movie she did had to have "Spirit in the Sky" by Norman Greenbaum. <laughs> because when 2018 happened, I'm like, well, is the favorite gonna have "Spirit in the Sky" because oh, it always dear. has to have that. Like wow. they're borrowing that from Guardians, and then like, well, what is it gonna be this year? Do you mean um uh uh Queen of Mary Queen of Scots? Because she was in that, not in the Did, favorite. I thought she was in. No, she's I not thought in Mary the favorite. Scott was the sequel to the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's right. see. That's why I consider myself the weirdo because I'm the one who loves like all the period costume right, dramas right. and stuff. But that's that's my to, MCU. <laughs> but that also speaks to this because yeah. this marries both, right? Yes. Because with the, your historical knowledge, you get into Hellboy, and for them to be pulling out Arthurian 
tales and, yeah. and, and, and tales of, um, you know, all these other um, big historical moments in history and historical people like the Baba Yaga. Like, that's something that you can read in books and, and do your research. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because those characters are linked into Hellboy, you know, and those historical figures. Hellboy is also linked to other comic book properties from other companies. I've heard this. Yeah. So I'm a big Eric Larson fan, and Savage Dragon is my jam. Right. I love old Finhead. <laughs> and he was crossed over. Is it canon anymore? We don't know. It's comics, <laughs> What's whatever. What's canon anymore? Yeah. But Put he, that on a shirt. <laughs> he's, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah, What's canon anymore? <laughs> he uh, did you know issues of Savage Dragon where Hellboy shows up. Uh-huh. And in the Savage Dragon universe, he's also teamed up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. On the other side, he has Hellboy has teamed up with Batman. He's teamed Batman, up with Starman. Yeah. So this is a whole universe where all those characters are mishmashed together. Yeah. And then when you really think about it, okay, so you have Batman teaming up with Hellboy. Batman's teamed up with the Power Rangers. Yep. So this is a universe where... Screw it. Continuity yeah, out the, six, the window. The six degrees of yeah. separation is amazing in, in well, this universe. And with Hellboy being in Injustice. Oh, yeah. What a bump up Again, there. <laughs> do you realize we live in a world... Well, they live in a world where Hellboy coexists with Rasputin, the Power Ranger. Yep. Ninja Turtles. Yep, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. And those guys, some of those guys went and fought in Mortal Kombat. You yeah. understand? Mm-hmm. They, they've gotten crossovers over so there. Johnny so Johnny Cage. Yeah, you understand? All this entire world is uh, connected together. Hashtag it's all connected, just not in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> but um, actually, going back to the BPRD for a second, uh-huh. one of the things that I absolutely love about the BPRD is they are not a organization that's about looking cool. Right. You know, and that I feel like there's so much of this kind of pressure for all of um, a lot of comic book or just nerd properties in general to have these secret organizations that are like incredibly badass, like Shields or like, you know, MIB or any of these things. Or Hydra. Or Hydra. Or when you start talking about like the Illuminati and stuff like that. Yeah, where they have to be necessarily intimidating. Yeah. And the BPRD isn't intimidating. Like there are intimidating members with in it but a lot of them are just kind of regular people that are just trying to live their lives or regular monsters who are right, just right. trying to live their lives you know like especially like when we get more into you know members aside from Hellboy and Lobster Johnson yeah. when you think about Liz Sherman and Kate Corrigan and you know Abe Sabian and Abe Sabian the boy yeah yeah and, and Roger and you know so many of them are just trying to live their lives and this is just their job I'm a swamp monster who has to pay his taxes too damn it <laughs> that's it <laughs> and I mean, it's in the name bureau, so it's it's literally the un uh, the unglossy side of things. This is the yeah. bureaucracy side of yeah. things. It's I the, love it. You know, um, and what I dug, and I don't know uh, if if I seen a little bit in the movie. I'm not too sure how much of the comics uh, borrow from this or vice versa. Right. Uh, but the idea that these agents, while they are beloved characters, are kind of expendable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, like this idea, like I, it adds to the realism of the dangers of things. You know, um, all our X-Men come back for the most part. All our Avengers come back for the most part. Um, so BPRD comes and sometimes they lose three no. or four people. And that's just what happened that day. Yeah. And um, I thought that, yeah, that added a lot to the realism there. Yeah, no. And especially that, like, you know, they're just, they're doing their job. And part of that job is people dying. 
Yeah. Like it's it's not something that they're just like, oh, you know, like they'll come back. It'll be it'll be fine. Like let's why put rose colored shades over everything. Yeah. This is real life. Yeah. And as much as we love like the um hyper fantasy of Hellboy, there's a groundedness in reality that this is just what's gonna happen. People are gonna die. Including characters that are the title character of yeah. the series. He will literally and, go to hell. Yeah, yeah, and and that there are going to be a separation. You know, the BPRD comic book series didn't really start out of just, you know, the popularity of the characters. It was because Hellboy was like, guys, I got to go on my own little solo yeah, trip. Yeah, I, I don't need to be with you guys. Like, I need to do my own thing. And then the BPRD series has come out and these characters can flourish on their own. Yeah, They, they don't need Hellboy. You know? So I'm curious, both of you, since Hellboy is now residing in hell, right? do you think the character will actually ever return in the comics? I So he has come back. Oh my God, I feel so like silly but he's come back in a recent issue but it's not chronologically oh, a lot of the, a back. lot of the stories i've i've noticed yeah. are not told in chronological order right. they're told in like this almost like grand book of stories yeah. like grand book of like an anthology series and man that's um, funny about the books too because there's so many books so many spin-offs yeah, yeah. and every single one is solid that's yeah. very rare for yeah. a series it is it is well and especially because mignola adopted an approach that was very similar to Frank Miller. Actually, Frank Miller suggested he took this approach because he was having such a hard time um, writing the stories in a way where they were going to come out like in a sequential like sort of schedule. Serialized um, storytelling. Right. So he would just kind of write them when he wanted to and release them when he wanted to and they would be sort of more like a quarterly thing or a yearly thing Mm -hmm. than necessarily like a weekly or monthly thing. Uh It would just kind of be like whenever. And I love that sort of like organic storytelling style that he had you know yeah yeah and i i especially think that right now um you know i was saying you know to you that hellboy has an end yeah and i love that about the series so much so i don't know if he'll ever come back and i don't know if i ever want him to because he's good so yeah he's that's done. It. like i i i sort of agree to that like there's certain things that make this character unique and, and stand out and we have so many characters in the lexicon of comic book history uh that have taken the big death right there yeah. and and have uh, bounced right back from it um he i i wouldn't mind if he came back but i think that he should go through he needs to go through it, <laughs> whatever yeah, death is. Be good. There needs to be a weight to this to this decision. Um, Make it impactful, right? And Maybe. we know we know that he, with him being in this supernatural, the occult, the paranormal, that there's always ways, right? Yeah. There's always ways to come back, or always ways to get back. But there needs to be this can't just be a light switch kind of situation where it's like, oh, he's back. Have yeah. we ever seen a character have their journey back? To the living land of the living, I don't think. We no, um, no, we were talking a little bit off air of Swamp Thing. Swamp yeah. Thing goes to hell and get Abigail and comes back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I dig that. I dug that. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, um, for the longest time, when the um, so there's a comic book arc after the Wild Hunt called Storm and the Fury, uh-huh. and this is the one where Hellboy, you know, spoiler alert, does actually die. Right. And um, a big part of it is he actually has a relationship with a character we'll talk about that's going to be in the new movie named Alice. Monahan. Mm-hmm. And 
he uh, saved her as a baby from fairies. Right. And so they have this very interesting relationship that is uh, ends up becoming romantic. And as, you know, a romantic at heart, <laughs> I was secretly really hoping that he'd be like, I gotta fight to come back out of hell oh, to get yeah, with yeah, Alice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, that's not um, Mignola's style. Right. You know, he doesn't want it to have necessarily a happy ending. He just wants it to have an ending. And, yeah. and that, and to me, I feel like Hellboy in Hell ended in such a grandiose way where you could tell that this was the culmination of all the things that Mignola loved as a writer, that he finally got to properly guide the story in the direction that he always wanted to, that as much as the romantic in me would love for him to be a swashbuckling hero and right, yeah. come out and save Alice and do all these grand things. Have the things. music playing in the background. Yeah, and, yeah, and have yeah. Earth look like a beautiful, shiny place, which he it does not look like when he dies. Right. You know, um, it, it, I would love that. I don't think Mignola would ever allow that to happen, which is sad, but I, I, I appreciate that sort of determination of him as a writer, you know? I completely dig. Um, You wanted that romantic stuff for... Uh... Our boy, Hellboy. Um, he doesn't really look like a charmer when you when you just first look at him. Let's talk no. about how our boy Hellboy <laughs> looks. Um, there's a there's a uh picture that Mignola drew of Hellboy where um wasn't it his, like the loincloth like the original appearance. Yeah, yeah. He he's got like all these um like bangles and occult uh stuff on it. Yeah, I think he has a fish there too. But like his first sketching of it, and then there's one that I really really like where it's just. He just looks out of it like he's. You could tell the weight of his, the weight of his hand is making his shoulders go down. Yeah, and he his jaw is like out and pronounced, and just the like I said, like we were talking about before, the angles and the shadows of everything. He just looks over. You can feel that he's just had a hell of a day. Yeah. no pun intended. Nope. Yeah. And that's yeah. almost in, that's almost in every um, drawing that I see of him. Right. You know? Well, the the way that you can tell that um, Mignola has specifically made Hellboy like his signature character is that unlike, you know, Superman or Batman or any of them that have this grandiose, like, puffed chest posture, yeah. his shoulders are shrunk, you know, swollen. Yeah. Like, he's very, like, he has literally the weight of the world <laughs> yeah. on his shoulders. He is the son of a demon and a witch and he has one foot in the human world and one foot in the demon world. And he is just trying to live his life as a blue-collar hero. And he can't. With red yeah. skin. Yeah, yeah, with red skin. But yeah. he has, like, a giant little, uh, not little, but a giant reminder yeah. on every his day. right arm every yeah. day that is literally sinking his shoulders into the world. Yeah. That he just cannot escape from. And that is just, I think, such a beautiful decision for Mignola to draw him like that, that you totally get the character instantly, everything about him from his body language. Yeah, I think definitely. that's so cool. No, I, I completely dig that, definitely. And um, he has those um uh, filed down stumps for horns. Yeah. I think that's one of the first things I noticed when I first saw that character because I didn't know what they were. Yeah. They thought they were like wooden kind of discs. I thought like they that. were goggles when I was little. <laughs> okay. So he I was really like, I'm just going to get goggles and I'm, I'm going to be Hellboy. Right, 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 right. But like, no, it's it's actually like, again, that's another reminder of like, uh, I'm not human. Like, right, you know, yeah. like this is, this is literally the reminder of my origin. You know, like for some people, it's, you know, their race or the family that they come from. Or for me, like I have a birthmark on my arm and I Mm -hmm. always think about like 
this is the thing that makes me me. Right. And for him to have literally a, a thing on his head that is constantly a reminder of you're not human yeah. and you're never going to be human, that in his tail, you know, it's just so interesting yeah. you know so what do you what do you think what do you guys think of the idea that um in the film they had they had my man wear boots but for the most part he's out there with uh cloven hooves yeah <laughs> do I, you think do you, are, are you do you think uh how you feel about hellboy sensibilities you think he should be out there wearing boots i think he i think he should be you know because you know you don't want to get athletes hoof and that's true it's that's very... true it's a thing out there man <laughs> well and i'm really excited because in the new movie among all the other things i'm excited for he's gonna have hooved feet oh here we go yeah <laughs> Like okay. he's not gonna have normal feet. I'm so excited. <laughs> what an odd thing, right? What an odd thing. But hey, listen, we're in the bag for this, so yeah. this, this makes a lot of sense. There. Yeah. Um. Uh. He has sort of a samurai haircut, like the the I've the, noticed uh, that. Yeah. The skullet. Right. 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 Um. Um. In the new film, you see more of a wilder hairdo. Yeah. Are you um? Do you have a preference? When you, uh, when you see your Hellboy, Hellboy uh, hair, Hellboy hair, uh, hair boy. I'm I'm gonna be honest. The fangirl in me is really into the wild tundrals that are happening from <laughs> right, him. Um, right. In the interest of fairness, you do love David Harbour. I, I do, <laughs> I do love David Harbour. So so you know, non disclosure. One of the other things I forgot to mention in our introduction as to how we got into Hellboy is I also was like, oh my god. Ron Perlman's gonna play Hellboy, <laughs> girl. So I was, I was like, all about that, um, because you know, uh, little kid me was very into the TV show Beauty and the Beast, which okay. he was the Beast on that show. Right. And I had grown to have such a huge, weird old man crush on him. But for so, you, he was the beauty. Yeah, he was. Oh, he was the beauty. I'm sorry, Linda Hamilton. Right. Like he, he was with that hair. Like he was the beauty. But so, um. I was so excited to see Ron in a new role where he was playing another prosthetic monster character because I honestly feel like those are his best roles. Isn't it interesting that he has that and then you have Doug Jones who is known as a guy who's never him. Yeah. He's just a guy in the thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, him and Ron together was like a winning combo, but we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, so um, I really love though... Uh, and I also have a big crush on David Harper. I'll get that out there too. Right. <laughs> but um, I I uh, love the way that in this new version, he just seems so much more organically like I have been through a lot. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like I had got scars on my face. I got like chipped nail polish. Like I got like, you know, maybe some acne. Right, and, like right, right. And my horns look like they have been through hell literally. Right. Yeah. You know, like I... I love that. I love that style choice. I love his eyes looking insane. I adore that because as much as I loved the original um, makeup that was done by Rick Baker for the original Hellboy films, he just looked too clean. Yeah, he did kind of. You know, clean, yeah. like, and I thought it was beautiful, but he he just looked like I think they chose to make like the marks on him look very like Mignola ish rather than it being this organic right. character. Yeah. You know? It, um it doesn't feel like the the uh, markings on him uh, exist in the real world. Almost like yeah. a tattoo or something like that. Like it, it would have formed differently. It, or your skin would have reacted differently yeah. to, to those uh, markings that he has on there. Well to quote the Goo Goo doll, scars are souvenirs you never lose. That's so. it, bro. That's so. it. I knew we were gonna get a nice Goo Goo dolls reference on this. That makes me very It's not happy. a podcast without a Goo Goo dolls reference. <laughs> I that makes me so happy. Uh, oh, <laughs> shout out to Eddie Wilson just for a random music reference for no reason. <laughs> Speaking of uh random references, they say he smells like dry roasted peanuts. Yeah. 
Hellboy. Is that a, is that a hell that. thing? Um, hell smell like peanuts? I mean, it could. I more tend to think that that is a um, reference to that he, again, is like a blue-collar hero. Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, like, yeah. he would be in a bar, right, like an old-school right. yeah. bar that would have dry-roasted peanuts oh, on the floor, the, like CBGB style. Yeah, you know, like, sense. like, he's been through a lot of stuff, and, you know. Ah, uh, interesting question. Does Hellboy drink? Uh, there has been moments where he does. I've seen him drink in the film. Yes, he does. Hellboy he whiskey. Does, yeah, yeah, Hellboy, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and there's I there's a, a couple of other like I think there's a Hellboy beer and something like oh, that. Wow. Okay. But yeah, no, he he has drank in the comics before, but it's more that he loves pancakes. Yes, he loves pancakes. <laughs> and and he the loves moment cigars. you discovered them is the oh, greatest panel God. ever. We've lost him. <laughs> yes, yes, because uh, as a young child, uh, Hellboy. Um, has pancakes for the first time. He and the demons that are trying to sway him over to the open this whole gate. They literally realize that he's gone to the human side right. of this. And we should speak of that. We should speak of the idea that um, once he comes through this portal and Professor Boom, you know, is able to take him underneath his wing, that he treats him like a regular old boy. He treats yeah. him like a regular human child, and it's through that um, being raised that way that he has this perspective of not only the um, sanctity of humanity and the human life, but like we were saying before, a foot in both um, courts. Of, uh, he's playing for both teams in a lot of sense. And usually one team is outright just trying to kill the other. It's not even about tolerance. It's about like, no, they're trying to stop us, so we should just kill them. Right. And he has to find the middle ground a lot of the times. And it's not easy, especially when you look like you already play for one side of the team. Yeah, exactly. You know? And and to you know, to that effect, like one of the things that I think is something that the original movie doesn't really talk enough about is that the way that Hellboy got his name is from a BPRD member who is Lady Eden. Yes. And she's actually gonna be in the movie, which I'm awesome. so excited about. Um but uh one of the things is she initially goes like, you know, that looks like a little boy. Yeah. And, you know, and they also mark that it looks like it's a demon from hell and that's yeah, you put, hell yeah. boy. You know, so I, I think you always chocolate. you got hell in my boy. It's a racist. That's um it. That's it. <laughs> but you know, I, I I feel like one of the things that um I love about uh Broom, Professor Broom, is that he loves Hellboy in the strange, unconditional sense. Yes. That he wants to see him be the best he can be. But, um, which we'll get to in a second when it comes to the new movie. Right. I'm a little like, mm, I don't know how uh, I like that. Inter- Shane, I'm a little mixed on how I like about that interpretation, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But, um, I love that he raises him like it's his son and that as much as he knows he has all these like very dark, deep things that are going on within him and the possible destruction that he could bring to this world. He just wants to treat him like a little boy yeah, and have him be a part of this world and have him grow up and all that stuff. I love that. So and I, what's cool is that, you know, from the beginning, because Broom is in the uh, BPRD, uh, Hellboy get, gets this, um, he's, he's very familiar with protocol. You know, like, he's with all these BPRD agents. He was discovered with the Allied Forces, so the Army. So a lot of these younger stories where you get younger Hellboy, he's either, like, with the Army or with the BPRD. Like, he very much understands rank and structure and protocol. Even though when he gets older, he doesn't care about it all that much. He very much grew up in this world where people 
put on uniforms and go fight the good fight. Like he he's very much in that mind state because of Broom. And um, I wonder what he would have become if not. You always yeah. talk about falling into the wrong hands and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, you would have had this this small child and um with this key. The seven headed dragon, and yeah. Personally, I'd love to see like an alternate universe uh, version of Hellboy. What if he ended up going to the side of the Nazis and everything? Yeah, kind right? of like yeah. you know, Superman Red, like a Red Sun, Sun, where situation. You, know, you have the uh, time zone was off by just one hour. That's it. Well, in in a similar way, it's really interesting to think about what if Hellboy had grown up in a time that wasn't World War Two. Oh, that's true. Ooh. You know, because the yeah. thing is, is that he has those kind of strong moral sensibilities because he grew up in a time where that was the thing. It was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Right. You, you couldn't Google things and figure no, out, you know, what's no, going but on with stuff. You would, you would be inspired by characters that we'll get to in a second, like Lobster Johnson, and you would grow up in a, you know, a military mentality of respecting mm. your elders, respecting yeah. your higher rank. You know, this isn't, you're not above anybody else. There are people above you but you are only you're there to serve the team and yeah, the army the machine, yeah yeah, yeah. and it, that's something i've always thought about is i would love to see an alternative universe of Hellboy where he's raised like now yeah and he's found now or like in the 70s or the yeah. 80s you know where people are just starting to get the freedom thing going right. on like wait a minute maybe we don't gotta listen to everything we're being told right, right. now you know, like he right. would have been a wild child right uh, yeah, Hellboy there yeah. imagine him being raised by Ronald Reagan oh my god a Re- a Reagan <laughs> yeah well and especially because if you think about that you know Hellboy from a very young age actually grows up quite fast yes you know yes. and even though physically he looks like the body of a middle aged man he actually mentality wise is so much younger yeah it's weird you know? his body grows fast but his mind doesn't grow as fast right. and then once his body hits a certain point it also kind of slows down its own growth right. and, and how how he ages and stuff right. which kind of doesn't uh, give you a way to figure out how to approach him in a right. way you know a lot of yeah. people don't know how to speak to him because he looks one way and acts another um, and even though he has he, he's drawn as a brute He's drawn yeah. as this big, brutish, seven-foot-tall man, like, strong-jawed and all this um, stuff, the huge hand, the the big um, chest. But um, besides using that right hand, he really just uses the Samaritan, a gun given to him yep. by the Torch of Liberty. Yeah. Uh, um, a, another Pope hero that I found out, uh, I think was created by John Byrne. Yeah. So they can't talk about him anymore. <laughs> right, well, and he really, and he technically is only in Seed of Destruction. Yeah. When when they find Hellboy, he's really I never nowhere else. realized that. Yeah, he's yeah. nowhere else in the comics because yeah. they just can't really yeah. use him. So he's a him. burn victim, essentially. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah burn victim. This yeah. guy over here. Hey, oh, hey. Yeah. yeah. I'm punning here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, um, I think it's, it's, Cool that he has that signature weapon, the yeah. Samaritan. I um, mean, he's no uh, stranger to firearms. He loves all yeah. kinds of firearms. And we'll yeah. talk about him wielding some swords yeah. in the future. And man. he's ambidextrous because technically he only has one hand that he yeah, can really that, use. That is true. And, you know, we'll, they, we'll get into this because they were talking about how, um, luckily as well, Ron Perlman is left-handed. Yeah. And so people were wondering whether or not they should have to actually switch the right hand yeah. to, to accommodate the actor. But I don't think we... I think... Maybe because it's out of necessity, um, Hellboy becomes a left-handed child because yeah. he can't really do anything with his he weight can. on the other hand. But it's also canonical that Hellboy is like a terrible shot in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I don't know if that's because of the hand that he's <laughs> using because that happens as well. Yeah. Because that's got to suck feeling handcuffed by literally your hands. 
It's like, come on, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially when you think about, like, he's been through all of this, like, military training and everything. I love to see that imperfection that he can't always, like, shoot things or do right, things right. perfectly like that. It's awesome. Um, Let's get into the film. I think we'll, if we can get into that first film, we get into a lot of the other stuff that makes um the mythos. Um, Hellboy comes out on April 2nd, 2004, directed by Guillermo del Toro, with a box office of $99.3 million on a budget of $66 million. I hear a lot of that came from the DVD, though. The DVD oh, hell yeah. 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 So, I saw Hellboy, the first one, in theaters on opening weekend, because I was awesome. a nerd. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. No, yeah, you're a good that's company, awesome. remember. You're yeah. a good company. That's awesome. No, I dig that. Yeah, and I, I actually took a group of my friends, and they were all girls, and we we're all like, oh man, it's gonna be Hellboy. <laughs> we're so hell. excited. And we were like the nerd group in middle school, and it was really it was dope. Super uh-huh. exciting. But yeah, like it it wasn't a packed theater. And okay. it was it was a Saturday. I remember it was in the afternoon and there wasn't that many people. It was like there was a good amount, but it, it wasn't like, you know, a marvel. Right. You right, know? Right. Like it, it wasn't a lot, but yeah, it definitely gained a lot more money through rental and residual sales. Yeah. Um, because again, like I think a lot of people and I Honestly, I think it's the same thing that's going to happen with this new movie, but fingers crossed that um, a lot of the time Guillermo's properties or things that he decides to direct or whatever are very hard sells for yes. the public. Yeah. You know, they're very much made for a niche audience. And uh, that was definitely the the general tone of that movie when it was released is that you know oh man i don't know what this hellboy thing is it's totally like you know uh coming off of the mib trend and right, right. you know oh man like it's just a nerd hokey superhero movie i don't know what the heck this is yeah. like a lot of people weren't giving it a chance now do you it, consider hellboy to be a superhero comic would you say well so i think for the general public it is because yeah. it is a large creature who is defending evil so by default it must be a superhero yeah. and his superhero. name ends with his gender so. right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right but i i think for you know people like us who are nerds and actually right. think about these things outside of like oh man well i guess i gotta buy a ticket for that movie here because right. i don't know what else to go to right. you know we i'm gonna we... go to movies like that now <laughs> <laughs> Listen, night school <laughs> yeah i i uh as someone that goes to the movies quite a bit and also deals with people that have no knowledge of film at oh, what, all oh, what, yeah, yeah. Or, or like what's a movie oh. That's okay, out. Yeah. You know, they'll just be like, oh, well, I guess uh, this uh, sounds like a good old movie. <laughs> you yeah. know, and whatever. But uh, Who do you hang out with? <laughs> a lot of much older people that uh, don't yeah. understand this stuff. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. do the deep dives and stuff like that. And, right. like, and like you said to them, this probably feels like in the middle of too many genres. Right. Like not enough Spider-Man to be Spider-Man. Right. Not enough X-Men to be X-Men. Not enough Men in Black to be Men in Black when it's actually enough Hellboy to be good. Yeah, <laughs> but like, again, like Hellboy is as much as like now people know about it, like you know about it because you found out through the movies and stuff. And did you, I forget, did you find I started out? with the movies as well, yeah. Okay, so like I feel like, you know, as someone that knew about before the movies, it was something that people just didn't know existed. Okay. Like, it really was such a niche thing in that time that aside from if you were at Borders and you were like, ooh, that's really cool, <laughs> that cover of a comic that I don't know, right. um, it, or you knew about it, you were just completely like, what is this weird red guy on a movie poster that I don't understand? And right. And especially, as much as I love Ron Perlman, he's not a marquee name. 
Yeah. He doesn't sell movies right. and neither did really Selma Blair. And especially Doug Jones didn't, even when that wasn't his voice. It was David High Pierce who was dubbing over him. Yeah. You know, like probably the only person in that movie that maybe people knew about was John Hurt. Right. And maybe I, Selma Blair. He doesn't even, make it, he doesn't even yeah. make it to the sequel. No, yeah, no, so. he's dead. <laughs> and same thing in the in the book. I'm reading Seed of Destruction. And Broom just dies. Yeah. They throw him through a wall. Yep. And he's just dead. And yeah. I was like, I, the entire book, I'm waiting for like the moment of like, we fixed it. Oh, he's back. And nope. it never no, happened. No, no. And I was like, that was definitive. Like, I dig that. I like how I dig how definitive um, that was. But, and you grow to know more about him through the other like stories. Yeah, that the come... flashback kind of story. Right. Yeah, which yeah. is super cool. I love that. And so that. You o- you're always getting bits and pieces. They don't, they... He almost never really wants to give you the full scope of the legend that is Hellboy. He'll just give you the bits and pieces that you need to know of how long he's been operating, you know, in this world. Now, Dalen, on, you know, because you've read a lot more Hellboy than I have. Would you say this is kind of a series where characters unexpectedly die as well? Yeah. Oh, definitely. So that's like, like the Eric Larson kind of thing where... Oh, we're just going to kill this character off. Yeah. yeah, I would say, like, there's definitely a lot of, like, unexpected twists and turns that happen in the Hellboy stories, especially when it comes to character deaths. But it's more that it it's not unexpected in the sense that it doesn't, it doesn't have a payoff. Right. They right. all have a payoff. If they're going to die, it's because we, as the audience, have been like, all right. You know, it's the Seinfeld finale. Yeah. Time to go. Go before you get really, we're tired of you, you yeah. know? Like, and I, I really appreciate that. About that also makes that stand out because although, you know, last the last episode we just did was um, celebrating Detective Comics 1000. And, um, still need to read that. Y- yeah, I picked it up. I still need to read it. You still, you. it's beautiful that, that, that his, the characters existed that long, but you also want to praise the evolution yeah. that happens. And so... With a Hellboy comic, like, could you imagine reading every comic and literally everybody's still around? Like, no one's died, no one's taken a, you know, no one's gotten hurt. Yeah, I, I, I doubt that'll ever happen, to yeah. be honest, because especially when the title character of the franchise is already dead. Dead, yeah. yeah, yeah they I, made a statement, they it, put their foot down. Yeah, well, and even, like, you know, other characters are, like, on the chopping block, like, Liz Sherman is, yeah. like, you know pretty close to being dead or has already died in some issue um you know roger is just constantly in and out of being alive you know there's there's a lot of them that and um uh, yeah well yeah well lobster johnson's dead but but then again what's really cool is lobster johnson or other characters will come back as As ghosts ghosts, so they're dead but they're not always expendable. Like right, they can come right. back. They can still yeah. serve and they have and they have value when yeah. they do come back, which is I think that's uh, pretty cool and important. Yeah. But that uh, first movie comes out. And it, it's basically based on um, the origin story on um, Seed of Destruction. It has other stories in it, but um, basically about the Nazis coming and um, with Rasputin, uh, Karel Rod then played uh, Rasputin, and I was hearing like. He doesn't look like Rasputin. I think the guy looks like the comic I think he book. looks exactly yeah, like looks, Rasputin. I think he looks like the comic book version that they put down. Like, I don't I don't really get that. Yeah. I but, mean, it's um, just a generic white dude with a long beard. Yeah, like, like I, I don't get it. Looks like an evil wizard to me. <laughs> yeah. That's Williamsburg. If anything. Yeah, you're a lion. Avocado toast and all that. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, um, what, uh, I'm jumping around because I, I just love all this so much, but, uh, Lad Laddie Slav Beeren plays Carl Rupik 
Cronin. Yeah, in the Cronin's film. my favorite. <laughs> um, Cronin is a bit different in the film as he is in the movie, but in yeah. the movie, man, this yeah. guy is a Nazi um, ninja. Yeah. Sand clockwork, uh, steampunk, uh, <laughs> assassin. Yeah, like so. To me, I feel like Cronin in the movie is yeah. very much a Guillermo invention okay you know like he is you know into body modification and he constantly is like messing around with like body mutilation and like his eyes are like bulging out of his head and all this stuff you know especially when we get the final reveal of what he truly looks like you know that is definitely something that if you're a big del toro fan which i also am um, I, I which I definitely owe to uh, Hellboy being the reason why, right. in addition to Blade too. Um, which, by the way, which also had Rob Herman. Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. and, and Blade Two is essentially his audition to be even able to get Hellboy off the ground. Yeah, yeah. 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 But he, um, if you look at his earlier films, especially my favorite, which is Kronos, which is about a grandfather that gets turned into a vampire. Okay, you could definitely see that, like this was the evolution of that kind of character of, like, these grotesque, like, mutilated, disgusting people that are just trying to live immortal and forever yeah, and yeah. are willing to do whatever to achieve that. Yeah, and yeah. you can see that through line through his movies. Like we were saying, you know, Blade Two is, besides the title character of Blade kind of being the Hellboy of that team, like the, the one with both feet and thing, yeah. majority of the team is humans. Yeah. And so it's humans fighting monsters, quote unquote monsters right. then you got monsters fighting monsters when you get to Hellboy yeah and then you get monsters loving humans when you get to Shape of Water so and then I babies having babies yeah it all connects I think it all just connects oh listen he is an aesthetic and he's sticking to it there's you a know? little bit of Shape of Water and Golden Army yeah you know yeah. he gets a little bit of, it gets a little bit in there with that but um Another thing I had to ask when it comes to this movie, because you said that you had a, a affinity for the character in the comics before the, uh, the film, is how did you feel about the idea that you would pair Hellboy and Liz Sherman together? Okay. <laughs> because, because that's what, a lot of this movie, I, I mean, if you watch it, a lot of that first movie hangs on this relationship, this will they, won't they, right. between um, Liz Sherman and Hellboy, Ron Perlman's character. Yeah. And when you look back and you realize that that's something that's not even in the comics, yeah. it, it I would assume that there would be a divide. Yeah, so um, I will speak of two minds. Okay. One <laughs> mind is 14-year-old me was like, I'm so into this. Right, I am, right, right. I am, I am into the beauty and the beast aesthetic of this all, and I love Selma Blair, and she's all gothy, and she's with Ron Perlman, and you mm. know, as Hellboy, the fire and, girl with the fire. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, and when Pretty and when legit. he, um, she just started fanning herself. Like, <laughs> oh, oh my god! So when he, when he uh, has that line where he talks to her, and he's just like, I can't change any. Of yeah, this. I wish I could change. I wish I could change yeah. this. I was just like the feeling. <laughs> oh, I'm really into this, but on the other side of it, that's not at all what happens in the comics. Liz and Hellboy are just friends. Yeah, and I think that that is um one of the reasons why, as much as I love the first movie, it's very dated. Yeah, because it comes from a place where superhero movies always had to have a love interest, and yeah. they just were like, well. And the female alone yeah. had to be with somebody. Yeah, yeah. If there was a girl in the movie, she had to hook up with somebody. And eventually. if she didn't, she was either a tomboy slash lesbian, 
or she was going to die. Yeah. Isn't that the, uh, it, it's a movie that fails, I believe, the Brechtel test? Yeah. Well, like that. Yeah, that, yeah, this movie definitely fails the Bechdel test there 100%. That, that yeah. Wait, as a matter of fact, how many other females are in Hellboy 1 besides Liz? It, there is, um, a there is a uh, person in the mental ward who okay, is uh, who basically is like come on uh, uh, there's Eileen. there's someone who has like a psychotic freak out in the mental institution that Liz, Liz Sherman oh, is okay. in right, right, right. and and then there's a woman who talks to that other girl who's having a mental freak out like come on sweetie let's move away from the door because she says like there's a big red man out there <laughs> and, then, and then she's like come here sweetie you're having a freak out let's go and then Liz is That's like it. my boy friend that's 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 let me talk about her man like that yeah but yeah there's not really a lot of female presence there there isn't and it's such a shame because in the hellboy comics there are lots of incredible female characters like i will always stand that kate corrigan is by far my favorite uh character outside of hellboy and lobster johnson in the whole series because she is just basically like low-key like a giant nerd for all this stuff and she's just like wait all about I it. get to be part of like the troll and ghost squad. Like yeah, I'm into awesome. this. Yeah, all, all about it. That would make a great T-shirt, by the way. The troll and ghost ghost squad. <laughs> yeah, but she she's so much fun, and it makes me so sad that she hasn't been in any of the film adaptations, but she has been in the animated film adaptations, I've which heard, is really yeah, cool. yeah. I've heard that animated stuff is pretty good. Well, how canon? do you rate, rate that? So? Yeah, they they are, are they canon with the movies. The, well, no, canon with the books, I guess. They're, the well, they're they're canon in the sense that like everything in Hellboy. And my opinion is canon yeah because it's never really been canon to begin with you know um so i uh and because guillermo was involved with he was a producer on the movies so you can tell that he definitely like had a hand in them but like even in those movies liz yeah liz and hellboy aren't together liz actually has a thing for abe yeah, which is kind of low key, but there's a scene where like Abe has to go and save Liz, and she he actually like has to do mouth to mouth resuscitation. I was like, ooh, I'm also into this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, yeah, no. So uh, the thing is, for me, I I feel like I said this film, as much as I adore it, is so dated in that aspect of taking Liz's character and making the only reason for her existence to be there is to blow up the thing yeah, and to uh, give Hellboy a reason to do anything. Right. Because essentially, if you think about it, in the movie, she gets fridged. Yeah. You know, yeah. because... Uh, old, that old adage, right? Yeah. You know, much like Gamora and like a few <laughs> other characters, she gets fridged. And, and the, tell the listeners at home what fridging is. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, actually, you guys might be better able to explain it when it comes to the <laughs> reference that it comes from. Right, so, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's this thing that goes on in comics where they feel, where some writers feel that the only way to get a, a new wrinkle, a new dynamic or dramatic wrinkle in their male superhero characters is uh, by killing off their um, their girlfriends. Right. It gives them a reason to exact revenge and shake their fists at the sky and it, it started with Green Lantern's yes. girlfriend. Yeah. Kyle Rayner's girlfriend getting put in a fridge, killed and being put in the fridge. Yeah. Ironically, it originated in that the term with the fridge. Yeah. Happened in Hellboy, or not Hellboy, uh, Savage Dragon first. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Because they yeah. kill off his girlfriend literally at the end of the first issue and he's like, I'm green and I'm pissed. Yeah, ah, yeah. That's it. And and the thing is, is like, um, it 
It so frustrates me that this is continuously a writing strategy that they give male characters or even female characters. There's there's male love interests that female characters see that they also get fridged. Yeah. But it's so frustrating to me that they feel like that's the only way to propel a male character or any character into an aggression to save the day. Yeah. You know, instead of it being something where it doesn't have to end with someone dying to give them an emotional like beat yeah. to get there. You I know? think I think uh the problem ends up lying in the idea that you want to portray Hellboy as kinda nonchalant. Right. So then how do you get that? I don't think it should be Liz. Right. I think it should be something else. Right. But there you do need something you need to put a rocket on his back somehow. Right. And I don't think they ever really figured out how to get him from A to B. Not in the movies. Right. Anyway. Definitely not in the movies. Like and and that's the thing is that Liz in the comics is a character that stands out on her own. And she yeah. might not be like as like um uh in the spotlight as she is in the movies, but she has her own personality and she doesn't need Hellboy to be a romantic partner to allow that to be seen. Like she's actually more like a, like a little sister, big brother sort of dynamic in the comics with him. And I feel like they could have had that same relationship with her dying and him having that reaction of her being injured with them not being romantic. Oh no, I, I agree with that. Um, and in the same way, what I noticed um, after rewatching these films with the context of the comics, uh, there's also the same way you, you were saying that Liz doesn't need Hellboy. In the films, there's a level of like Hellboy needs Liz. Yeah. Like, uh, that Liz validates Hellboy's uh, human side, his, his human humanity, his human existence. Yeah. Where I feel like the comic book version kind of is that level where he kind of doesn't care anymore. Like, right. he, like he, he believes he's human. He knows his life. Yeah. And he knows how people may view him. But this Hellboy that we've seen in his films, um, he's still very much um, is reaching out to that side of the world. Right. And he feels right. like it's not reaching back to him. Um, how do you feel about that portrayal that or that characteristic where Ron Perlman... Um, at one point, they, even in the second film, he's walking down the street and they're like, "Oh, you're ugly or whatever." And he's like, "Yeah, I know." I'm ugly. <laughs> he's just, like he's just over it. Like, um, do you prefer the Hellboy that is yearning for um that connection to humanity, or one that's a little bit more confident in his in his uh, uh portrayal of? So for me, I am someone who loves the way that the comics have handled it, where Hellboy is someone that society is aware of and knows of. Yeah. And I love seeing, like, again, with the new movie, we'll get to in a second. I don't know what you're talking about because right. I'm so really excited. No, yeah. um, but he, 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 he's on the street and people just walk by and they're like, oh, yeah, it's Hellboy. Yeah. Like, whatever. It's okay. It's guy, and, whatever. Yeah. But I think the thing that it's important to keep in mind, which I'm sure you guys are aware of, is in my opinion, a constant issue that keeps happening when it comes to talking about the original Hellboy movies is that people think Guillermo del Toro invented Hellboy. Right. And that's true. he didn't. No, he, he didn't did invent Hellboy. And as much as the movie iteration, he is definitely, that is his Hellboy. You know, a character who feels misunderstood, is not accepted by society, who constantly feels like a monster that nobody is ever going to love. That is a Guillermo del Toro yeah, invention. Yes, and let is. me tell you, 14-year-old me, totally into that. Right, right. Love that. Yeah. But when it comes to the comics, he is not that kind of a character at all. Yeah. Like, he's been through a lot of garbage in his life, but he's definitely someone who has a little bit more swagger and confidence and doesn't allow the world to surprise him. Yeah. You know, and I... In its cruelty. Like, you've right? been around for so long, it's like... 
Right. Yeah, you guys been jerk. Like this is just how y'all work. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like one of my favorite panels is from um one of the short stories where he has to go up against the South American uh like creature that I'm forgetting the name of. But mm. in the panel, there's a little kid who um guides him through this tunnel, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, exposition, exposition. This is like this crazy, you know, cult thing that happened." And Hellboy's like, "That's the stupidest stuff I've <laughs> ever heard." No offense. And yeah, then yeah, and then the yeah. mo- the kid's like, "Well, yeah, you know, you know." And I love that he 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 just does not surprise yeah, at all. Right. So I feel like as much as I love Ron's interpretation, that is also again a Del Toro's interpretation of feeling like the constantly everyone is just gonna judge him and it's a very like teenage angsty my chemical romance kind of view on the world. Right. You know, he that isn't the Hellboy that I like. And that isn't the Hellboy that I think would need Liz to love him to feel like he has a human side to him. Right. He just can either gain that on his own or he doesn't need it. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, he has the gravitas that I feel like Superman has in a lot of senses. Yeah. Where it's like, he's been around the block, bro. Like, he's done this. And you can say what you're going to say. And he, it might affect him. Uh, it might affect him, but you'll never know it. Like he'll, you know, he'll keep it to himself, and he'll, you know, um, keep on living the life that he has because you're not gonna be the first person to ever say like you look like a demon or yeah, you know. And yeah. so he's been around that block, and I I like that about that character. But I did find it odd that um, at certain points, and there's even a point in the sequel where he just gets straight straight up, uh, stra- um, straight up drunk. Yeah. Because of he's just so down on this whole idea of who he is and how incompatible. Um, that makes him with the rest of the world. Yeah. But that is, that is Del Toro, right? All his movies is this misunderstanding of like, I just want to be there. I just want to connect. Yeah. And, and I can't. Be- because he was like a chubby little boy in Mexico <laughs> who constantly watched monster movies. And like, he even said when he watched, um, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, he felt sorry that the monster never got with the girl. Wow. You know? And like, that has constantly been his thing. So, you know, seeing Hellboy and Liz together, seeing the Shape of Water monster with Eliza, that is him. That is just his thing. One of my favorite things ever was I was in a Target uh, a few months ago. Somebody actually took a copy of The Shape of Water and put it right next to (laughs) (laughs) B-Movie. I'm like, that's a double feature anywhere in the world. Yeah, Yeah, you know. For somebody in their living room. Love doesn't have limits. That's (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah. That love story takes a big chunk of of the movie, but we do get a little bit of our boy uh, Abe Sapien in both films. Are you curious to what seems to be a lack of Abe Sapien in this third one? Well, um, in my opinion, I love Abe and I would love for him to come back, but I feel like there's so many other BPRD members that have yet to get any sort of like shine or spotlight in these movies that... Abe needs to like take some seats, right? Right. And just chill. Just go to a Holiday Inn. And yeah. Chill. We'll let him know when we need him. He'll I don't think we sequel. need him in the story. He'll yeah. Be in a sequel. Um. When you get when you get to the the sequel, Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, which comes out uh in July of two thousand and eight, uh, same director, uh Guillermo del Toro, box office of one hundred and sixty point four million on a budget of eighty five, so did double basically. Um, when you get there, you uh. Abe gets his own little love story. Then. Yeah, with you know? Princess Nuala. You get you get um Abe gets his own little love story there and you really get into you really start diving into Hellboy being a little bit more um sympathetic. Yeah. to the creatures that he's uh fighting. 
Um, that also speaks more to the comics where you see he doesn't. He's not. He's not a Ghostbuster. Like he's not out there trying to kill. Go. Sometimes he'll just be like, "Listen, the people." want their house back like, yeah can you, can you just like what can i do to get that done and, right and, and i like that aspect of it but um what you were saying with uh the so many members of the bprd we get introduced to kraus yeah johan in, in the second film yeah and peter i gotta tell you man this guy is out of control he he's a sp- how would you best describe kraus he's like a so- spirit a smoke <laughs> Yeah, so Johann Krauss is um, essentially like a uh, floating spirit that they have been able to embody through a suit that he can release himself into the world and he can like attract and come back into the suit. Like a valve of smoke. Yeah. He looks like he looks like an old school, like an old school divers, like metal divers suit. And he can come in and out and he's just a puff of smoke. And he can use that smoke to um, reanimate the dead. Yeah, yeah. Which was like, like I'm saying, like I feel like the PPRD is this um, wheel of fortune of characters, right? Where just like the Suicide Squad, like it behooves you to to constantly change up the roster yeah. to show how much of this you can actually flesh out, as opposed to being like, well, here's the three or here's the two. Or right, the, right. Well, yeah. and especially like when you think about um, that this story is a completely original story that isn't based on any of the comics at all. Yeah. Like Guillermo was definitely going like, well, I want like this member and this and this and this. And he was definitely cherry picking and finding the things that he loved within the Hellboy universe, but also making it his own yeah. thing. And working alongside Mike Mignola while doing it. Like yeah. that's not... You know that's not that's nothing to laugh at. The idea that the guy who created this is sitting alongside you, going, "Okay, yeah. so how do you want to do this?" Yeah. Um. You know, uh, it's cool to get that level of input in on there. Yeah. But Del Toro wanted to make this a trilogy from from the beginning, and I I really do think that the second one, um, I enjoyed the second one more, but I have a hard time figuring out if the second one is more Hellboy. Uh. Yeah, no, that's 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 a a conflict I have constantly all the time. So like, just yeah, I haven't even seen. Yeah, yeah. So so just for our viewers who have never seen um the other Hellboy movie or the the Hellboy movies before, but especially this one, this story is primarily about um how there is a race of elves who are very much wanting to uh you know coexist with man in a peaceful way except for the prince prince nuada who's played by luke goss yes, who is from blade it. 2 <laughs> he killed it though he killed it in that role yeah, yeah yeah and um you know he was all my be shown in anime dreams when i was like 18 when this movie oh, came out so i was just like oh you look like seth roth i'm so <laughs> into this um but anyway he uh essentially is this character who is like a very aggressive prince who is like i just want the fairy folk of the world to be understood i got a lot everyone. of loki vibes from him. yes yes a lot of loki vibes yeah from or loki has a lot of oh, yeah, 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 vibes that, you know that's, that's yeah true. but that's he true. uh he very much wants the fairies and magical folk of the world who have been secluded by man and hidden by man to finally take notice and take back the world that they 
owned. Yes. And, uh, you know, we also have Princess Nuala, who is Prince Nuada's twin. And that is the one that Abe ends up having a big crush on. And they have a little yeah. romance. They, write, they, it's very they, cute. they uh, recite poetry to one another. It's, uh, it's, a whole thing. it's very cute. But it's essentially, Hellboy, what, what I love about this story is that um, Hellboy in it uh, has to essentially decide, like he does in you know, uh, the comics itself is, is he going to fight for the fairy folk who he is, has more of a connection with like the magical trolls and stuff like that. Or does he fight for humans who in the movies hate him? Especially this straight one. up hate in this him. one, yeah. they make it a big point that people do not like him. Yeah. And, uh, there's several points in which he has just saved a bunch of people and the cops show up and like, what are you doing here? And they put guns on him. Right. Stuff. Right. Um, yeah. And there's a literal, devil on your shoulder moment in the second film where he's going to uh, kill a um this big plant cthulhu thing and yeah. um uh the prince showed literally just shows up on the roof above him and it's like you sure you want to do that like <laughs> yeah uh, you know that's the last of his kind yeah he's the last one ever he's the last he's... plant creature that's very miyazaki-ish <laughs> yeah he's like, he's like he's the last one you could kill him you could kill him and you'll never have to worry about him again but you'll also never see another one like him and like they they made it a point to seem like the creature was um like uh confused, angry, um, and that's why he was acting out. And then yeah. Hellboy shoots this this creature. Yeah. And it's blood. I, this is just some this Del Toro. This is thing. the most Del Toro of Del Toro thing. <laughs> it's blood goes everywhere and then that grows plant like into moss. It's a moss yeah. and grass. And grows plant. Yeah. Yes. It, it, and grows plant. Yeah, it's everywhere. also very swamp thing. Yes. Yeah. Very swamp thing. And yeah. so um, but Hellboy does take the shot. Yeah. When push comes to shove, the Hellboy does uh, choose in that moment to stop that creature and kill that creature. Yeah. But these films are constantly about that choice. Yeah. About making that choice and making that choice on your own. On the, on the topic of that kind of character, do you think that was Del Toro's audition to kind of like maybe do Swamp Thing? Because he was originally supposed to be in Del Toro's Justice League Dark. Yeah, I did oh, hear about this. I yeah. did hear about this. And Justice League Dark... That was another one of those movies. I think that he was quoted on saying, like, I wrote the script. They never yeah. got back to me. Him like, and I... Warner Brothers don't have a good relationship because of the Hobbit movies. Uh, so, yeah, no, it makes okay. sense. Yeah. makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. he was like, I, and I also heard that they were talking about, like, a Hulk show. Like, he had written, he had, like, a, a, a laundry list of scripts that he had done treatments for, and yeah. no one ever got back to him for it. So, it's like. I can see how eventually he just puts up his hands. Isn't Pacific Rim also a Warner Brothers movie? It is. A, well, it's technically a Legendary Studios movie. Which, which Legendary Company is? Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it, like you can um definitely tell that like Guillermo had a lot of um other comic book influences that he would bring into these movies. And I definitely oh, think yeah. Swamp Thing for sure is definitely a part of this. Like the whole yeah. like loving nature. It's all part of this big grand magical scheme, you know? Yeah. And also actually elements from other Hellboy comics like The Corpse. Yeah. The Corpse is a story that uh has a lot of influences of fairies because that's where actually Hellboy finds Alice Moynihan as a baby yeah. and saves a, her from uh, a thing of fairies. There's a changeling that takes the baby's uh, spot yeah and so yeah um, how boy finds out that basically this baby's been replaced by a fake changeling baby. right right and then um to get the baby back he needs to make sure that there's a that this corpse gets a proper irish burial yeah it's something right? like that yeah, yeah. yeah i haven't read that comic in a very long time but it's something yeah. like that but you know 
that is one of those things that you can tell that Guillermo was just loving that whole like the fairies want to be noticed and we right. have to they have to fight to be you know loved and uh, not loved but like uh seen you yeah. know yeah. um and i think that's a big influence as to what the elf sort of dynamic of the story with Nuwada is all about right you know um in the troll market too and we find out about the uh existence of a golden army which if you're able to um place the pieces of a broken crown together they've been they've been broken and scattered now yeah well and half of them is with the humans and half of them is with the elves yeah and so if you can put this together you get this um golden army of they're not really great fighting robots but they're they are (laughs) massive in number and they can regenerate yeah um and so it's this and they're gold yeah (laughs) so it's this idea that you're gonna turn this army on on um on the earth and take it all over and at one point um hellboy just straight up challenges for the army in a fight, wins. Yeah. And has the crown in his hand and he's like, Oh, all this power. And yeah. this is like, nah, screw this, takes it and melts the melts the crown or whatever. Yeah. Um in that movie they tease that Hellboy's having twin children. Yeah. Well and also they, they tease that yet again he is the bringer of the apocalypse. Yes. You know, and that's something that they talk about with the first Hellboy in a like a flash forward or, or dream scene. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. Now yeah, I know yeah, what part yeah, of the yeah, movie yeah, we're. Yeah, yeah. Um, For those of you at home, we're watching the movie. Yeah, we're watching the first movie That's behind it. us. But yeah, so he already knows that this is like foreseen, and this is something that's going to come. And so the Angel of Death in the second movie is like, listen. Listen. I actually thought that was pretty. That was a pretty legit scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so essentially, what happens is that uh, Hellboy is significantly injured by Prince Nuada. He has a uh, blade in him that, if it is moved at a certain angle, it will continue to uh, become like longer and will literally stab through his body and kill him. Yeah. And so he got they Liz and him and Abe go to the Angel of Death, and the Angel of Death says, "Listen, Liz, like I know." You love your boy, but uh, he's going to kill everybody and your babies that are in you that Loki, he doesn't know you're pregnant, uh, are are going to uh, bring about the end of the world. So do you, do you want that? Like, uh, we could just like kill him like right now. Or do you, do you want this? And she chooses that she loves him so much that she'd rather him be alive than they put that was well written because. Um, the way that she legitimately sa- uh, states the the proposition is like either him or the entire world. Because right. if yeah. he lives, he will live to destroy the entire world. That's yeah. the prophecy. So right now, you can choose the world and be done with it. Right. He's already dying. He's already here. It'll be de- death is coming for him. As the angel of death, I'm telling you, yeah. he's going to die. He yeah. will eventually die. Right. We can cut it all down the middle. Have him just die right now. None to worry about. And she's like, she literally says, I, I'll deal with that when it happens. The other death. I want him back to life. Mm-hmm. And that was a level of um, of love and care to that character that, that I think was pretty cool, considering that this relationship is not um, mostly comic accurate. Yeah, it no. It was cool to have somebody be like, you know, I would, you know. And again, I think it's a very Del Toro yes. sense. Like, yeah. that's a very, like, uh, romantic, like, lush yeah, sort love, of Yeah, love idea. you at your monster, right? Because that's he's he is an imperfect monster. Yeah. And she chooses to love him like that anyway. Yep. Uh, which is, oh, like, I'm about to shed a little tea. <laughs> um, but let's get into this third film, right? So uh, I have a little bit of a quote here on a, on a, from a Reddit, um, Ask Me Anything That Del Toro 
did when he was asked about the third film um, in 2014. He says, well, you know, we don't have that movie on the horizon, but the idea was to have Hellboy finally come to terms with the fact that his destiny, um, his inevitable destiny, is to become the beast of the apocalypse. And having him and Liz face that sort of, uh, that part of his nature, and he has to do it in order to be able to ironically vanquish the foe that he has to face in the third film. He has to become the beast of the apocalypse to be able to defend humanity, but at the same time, he becomes a much darker being. It's a very interesting ending to the series, but I don't think that it will happen. We've gone through basically every studio and asked for financing, and they are not interested. I think that the first movie made his budget back and a little bit of profit, but then it was a very but then it was very, very big on video and DVD. The story repeated itself with the second already. It has made his money back at the box office, but a small margin of profit in the release of the theatrical print. Um, yeah, sadly, uh, now from a business point of view, all studios know is that if you don't have the safety net of DVD and video, uh, they view your project as dangerous. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. (laughs) Well, especially it's actually a really big sign of how much the ancillary market is just dying. Yeah. You know, that like a studio doesn't feel confident in releasing a movie anymore that they know that the DVD uh, you know, and other sales just really aren't going to recoup the way that they used to back in the day. Right. You know, especially because, like, now a movie, The Saving Graces, it'll make movie- money in China. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and I don't think, as much as I love Hellboy, this new Hellboy, I don't think it's getting a Chinese release. No. I, no. I so think it isn't, yeah. you know. and they, they do more sci-fi than they do mysticism. Yeah. Well, especially because it deals with, like, Demons That's what I'm saying. Like we start Catholic doing, we start stuff. dealing with yeah, we start dealing with religion. They don't really dig that, but no. when we deal with um creatures and stuff, that would sell. But the rest of it, a lot of this is is um steeped in in things that I don't know if they would necessarily be interested. in. Yeah, and I I'm curious to see what the international sales were for the first two movies because yeah. I don't know how much international box office they made, yeah. and. The other thing that is kind of related to this quote that's important, I think, as for the for the audience to right. realize, <laughs> yeah. is that Guillermo really wanted like a triple the size budget for the third movie. He ah, wanted it to be this right. big, bombastic, huge movie that was all his Lovecraftian dreams because he also wanted to make a Lovecraft movie that yeah. never ended up happening. Um you know, he wanted it to be this big, grand, giant finale, and there was no way he was A, going to make it, a studio was going to give him that budget, or that enough people were going to see it to recoup that budget. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah, and yeah. we're we're at a point now, like we were saying, where no matter how good or original your story may be, if it's not going to make the money that we need, no. it's not going to happen. To the point that they'd rather go to the same wells over and over and over yeah. and over as opposed to make an, uh, a movie. Now, I can't... I, I, I see both sides of that. Yeah. Because you can have somebody pitch you the ha- hell of a movie, take 800 million of your dollars and do nothing with it. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that happens too. You know, where they're like, no, don't worry. This is going to be the next Avatar. You ain't got nothing to worry about. Yeah. And then it falls. Right. Um, so it, it is hard to pick and choose, but I feel like we're playing it too safe now. Right. I feel like nowadays things are a little bit too safe. Well, yeah. when they were pitching that movie, it was also in a pre-Netflix distrib- you know, distributor deal era. Yeah. So do you think this could have been a movie that could have maybe benefited from like Netflix uh, streaming as a uh, 
uh, distribution for it. I actually think that a Netflix show would probably be the best medium for this. Yeah, that's for this. That's uh, actually my. Yeah, that's my dream. Honestly, is I I've always been an advocate for that. I feel Hellboy, as much as it's great in a cinematic feature length form would be so much better as a series. Yeah, and it's because so the stories are written in an anthology form where it's literally monster of the week or yeah. you know and you can just do that um like that. But another thing that they had to deal with you talking about, you know, the events of Netflix, this was in a time where people were a little their sensibilities were a little bit um stronger. People had a uh objection to this film just because it had the word hell in the title. Yeah. There was a lot of people that were just like Nope. Oh, nah, can't help. <laughs> not doing it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when there were advertisements for this, they actually had to air them after a certain time of day, kind of similar to Kevin Smith's Zack and Miriam make a porno. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Have, like, you couldn't say that title like after a certain or before a certain time. Yeah, exactly. Well, and especially because like the original movies all had a PG thirteen rating, so clearly they were going for a wider audience. That like there aren't a lot of parents that will be like Oh yeah, like let's go see that. Yeah. Hell boy, that sounds like a great title for my children to take <laughs> this, it. This second time I'm mentioning it, but it's the Suicide Squad problem, right? Yep, like, are yep. you really running to go take you know Billy and Johnny to go see Suicide Squad? Yeah. Like, what what yeah. does that even mean? And yeah, same but thing, Batman's like, there. Yeah, yeah, you know, same yeah. thing. Like, hell boy, what is it? What is this? Um, what does this mean? So they did definitely face off against um a bunch of different problems in trying to get a third one. Uh off the ground but now a third one off the is off the ground and people are saying that the idea that a third one could even exist without ron perlman and without guillermo del toro is just downright blasphemous what do you got let's speak on that a little bit there how do you feel about the idea and this is something that's going on in the fandom we talked about this a little bit off air but this idea that people are becoming so territorial with these ips and yeah. they they feel like they get to pick and choose what a correct adaptation is, the right director, the right um, casting. This is the same fandom that wanted um, Heath Ledger hung when he was first casted yeah. as, you know, <laughs> as, uh, as 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 uh, the Joker. So it's... to be fair, to be fair, you have people going on saying, "Oh, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that." Jared Leto is the Joker. Oh, yeah. I don't want to see it. Well, we didn't need to see it, so yeah, it does. It happens on both sides. Yeah, it, does, it definitely happens on both sides, but. Is is the should this uh movie franchise stop with the two? Is it locked down with Del Toro? No. Is it a situation where Del Toro is the only one with the key to uh you know the magic land that is uh Hellboy uh stories? If we're saying that, like let's say hypothetically speaking, we have the Michael Bay Transformers movies, and there are people that really love those train wrecks. But yeah. here's the thing about that: you can give somebody else the reins, and they might make. A incredible movie, Bumblebee. Was yeah, I was a gonna say movie. Bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as long as you have a good story, as long as you have a the, a great cast, great writing, etc., etc., great catering. I don't know, but <laughs> as long as you have all like something quality, give it to them. Yeah, yeah, and especially because again, like I said, it's so important for the world to realize, including some of our listeners, possibly who are a little <laughs> like on the fence, right? Is that Guillermo? As much as he created an incredible version of Hellboy, that isn't the comics version. And Mike Mignola, as the creator, just like George Lucas, just like a bunch of, you know, people who have created amazing forms of art that you get annoyed with, the things that end up happening with that art, yeah, they're the creator. Yeah. They are allowed to do that. It what is up, Star not Wars fans. Right, right. And listen, like I get it. Like the people versus George Lucas. Like I totally get it. But like if Mike Mignola, who has done this character for thirty years, 
years yeah. wants to do that, let him do it. He's no. co-writing yeah. the script. He he has so much involvement in it. And you could just even see like in interviews how much he's like, this is the movie I wanted. Right. It is so cool that like we should get behind that. Yeah, definitely. You know? Especially if we like the source material. And what's kind of weird is that I I if I, I try to make a comparison in my mind of why this would get the backlash that it did. And I was thinking maybe of like for a more recent film, the idea of like Ryan Coogler not coming back for Black Panther 2. Yeah. Wait, he's not right? back? No, no, I'm oh. saying, I'm just oh. saying, that. see, 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 that's what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying, like, that's what I'm saying, Close like, my can't, pearls. we obviously <laughs> can't tell, <laughs> we obviously can't tell a, a story, a Black Panther story without Ryan Coogler, but yeah. that, that news would perk your ears up. Yeah. Because it makes you think, but, but why I think that's an unfair, uh, comparison is because, uh, people, like you said, were not coming in droves to see Del Toro's Hellboy. Yeah. So why is there all of a sudden a, we love this. Wait a minute. We gave this to you. And if right. you loved it enough, we would have a third one right. already. Right. But you didn't love it enough. Yeah. And also like, guys, we've had multiple versions of Batman. Yeah. We've had multiple directors Batman's touch Batman. Yeah. Yep. You know, we've had like multiple artists form and give their own adaptations of this character. Hellboy is allowed that same thing. That's actually a yeah. very, very good comparison because I feel like, first of all, I feel like you. I want to just be in a room with Del Toro and Tim Burton. But oh say, my God, same. But but uh, secondly, a lot of what Hellboy one and two and Batman eighty nine returns is is the mythos through the lens of somebody who's a little bit sees things a little bit differently. Yeah. And a lot of people saw that and thought that that was the Bible of it. That right. that this is how that character is always and this is how they should always be portrayed right. to the point that like you say where you get people who don't understand uh, some of these characters saying things like well I saw them do that in this film so that must be part of the characteristic yep. when really it's just their character through a prism of, of the director who has their own um, uh, they have their own things that they're trying to accomplish they have yeah. their own things that, and they will twist and bend and sometimes even break mythos to accomplish what they're trying to say. Right. Like, look at Christopher Nolan. Like, he was able to make a Batman movie that was so against what so many people had gotten used to of seeing Batman on screen, of being this glossy, like, gothic, beautiful, like, yeah. movie. Nipples, of course, <laughs> right, right. But, yeah. But I, I'm glad right. with a lack of bat nipples. But yes. at the same time, like, Nolan's is so much more grounded in reality and is so much more earthy and dark that we're allowed to have a different interpretation of Hellboy. Yeah. You know? On the topic of uh, the Nolan movies, I'm actually going to be going to the uh, IMAX screening of it this uh, upcoming nice. week. Yeah. yeah. My only problem with those movies is how he would say, it's much more grounded in reality. There's In this world, the Penguin wouldn't be existing. I'm like, no, you can still have the Penguin. You can <laughs> yeah. still have this. You can have that. Come on, man. Well, that, that's that's another thing. Is like, um, uh, even when Nolan's taken those movies are are amazing. You know, the amazing works of of, of cinema. Even with that, yeah. it's not a hundred percent. It's not a hundred percent, a hundred percent of what you think of Batman. Yeah, it's absolutely. The, it's the best parts, yes. and I'm ramped up to a hundred. But there's still other parts completely missing whole cloth. Yeah, and it 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 almost axes you. Should you should you settle right? For yeah. one interpretation, limited in only one man's scope, limited in only one man's vision, a great vision, yeah. but only one, right. only one perspective. Right. Um, whereas now with this, we can see a whole new vision, a whole new direction. Right. Uh, we already seeing a whole new character design, yeah. which has some people loving it, some people hating yeah. it, but it's created 
the fervor that I think this film needs. It created that, that right. um that energy. Well, and you could actually say it's funny how Guillermo's movies in a way are kind of like the Nolans. Oh yeah. You know, whereas I feel like this new Hellboy movie is kind of like the Tim Burton Batman yeah. approach yeah, where it's much more like this is this is what it kind of really should have been right, from yeah. the beginning. Not necessarily visually cuz in a lot of ways both movies are kind of similar in visual yeah. ways, but from a story perspective, this is so much more what like Hellboy should have been yeah. from the beginning. I did really dig um, in watching the Del Toro films. Um, the obviously the characters, the, the creature designs, the character designs, I think are yeah. amazing. But a lot of the times where you just see like Abe Sapien and um, Hellboy together, and neither one are CGI. Yeah, you know, like this idea so there, beautiful. Like, like you could just feel it real in in. The, I like that. And like I, I'm not a, a CGI stickler. I'm not yeah. one of those people like oh, it's way too much. But you forget sometimes about how yeah. much practical effects can add a third dimension to everything yeah. sometimes. And um, I I hope that they go in that direction. No, they they definitely are. Like, um, they made a very big point, actually, about, like, uh, the new makeup artist on this movie definitely wanted almost every single thing humanly possible, with the exception of a few things, right. to be prosthetic effects. Awesome. You know, especially because we're going to have... Um, uh, I can never say his name right, but Garagarash, who's oh, a, yes. uh, he's like a pig character. Yes. Who's like a boar, like, like a big boar. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And he, yeah. he works for, um, the blood queen, which yes. we'll get to in a second. Um, you know, she, uh, it, he is going to be completely a hundred percent prosthetics and that is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, and aside from like, obviously a few characters here and there, like, I really appreciate that like Baba Yaga and Garagarash and like so many of them are going to like physically be there on screen. You know, yeah, it's so it, cool. It does that a lot. Yeah. Do you think this could be the movie that causes a resurgence in practical effects in film? I don't know. I hope so. That I, would be cool. I do think that they should make they should um, make it a point to at least their films differentiate. Yeah. Because of that use, it reminds me of the Russo's use of practical action. Um, yeah. To to change things, like you watch something like Winter Soldier or Civil War, or something, then you watch those fight scenes, and it's like. Oh, they took time to do that. Right. Like, that is not just a hodgepodge of stuff. And when you see some of these character designs, it tells you like, oh, they this, these creatures are individuals. Yeah. Someone sat there with this model and played with it and played with it and played with it and added and added and created a creature on the, on its own. And I feel like that's where it's going to. Because like it or not, a lot of people want to jump all these movies all together in the same thing. Yeah. See, most people don't even know there's a Marvel in DC, let alone a right, Dark Horse. Right, right. You know? And so people just want to see, like, oh, so what is this other Superman thing that I'm seeing? And they have to find a way to make it different. And I mm -hmm. think in using practical effects and adding a little bit more of that realism um, to these beautifully grotesque some of that character sometimes yeah. I wanted I wanted to say grotesque but sometimes they're beautifully grotesque like there's poetry in how ugly this thing is yeah yeah <laughs> um that that's where it's gonna sit and that's where it's gonna uh differentiate from everything else yeah and especially because if you think about like how much we don't have enough movies that are kind of of that almost 80s sort of like grounded gritty yeah. monster movie aesthetic like i'm one of my favorite movies of all time is highlander okay <laughs> and i i love that kind of like big massive bro like we're on a sword fight and it's like swords and uh you know fantasy and yeah. metal sort of imagery that i feel like having this new hellboy movie look like that as opposed to the beautiful artistic visuals Clean, of the yeah. guillermo movies is um 
is such a cool way to go about it. Like this yeah. entire movie from the trailer looks like the most badass metal cover yeah. I have ever seen. Oh, and I'm so excited. No, I definitely get those same vibes. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. This is going to be kind of a little bit of like, this isn't your grandmother's Hellboy. No, kind of kind of stuff. No. But there's, there's a little bit of that. I feel like in the, in this the, um, going to be your Baba Yaga's kind yeah, of. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a little bit of that in the, um, in the marketing for this. There's a lot of like, you don't, you know, this is not the Hellboy that you're used to, but I'm, I'm glad for that. I'm glad for the idea for that. When we were talking about the practical effects, it reminds me of the difference of how I feel, um, with, the Ninja Turtle film. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh boy. I even even though you can tell that these the rubber suits in the first one, the idea the that they're in the them. real world. Yeah. The idea that they're in the real world and active and, and they're, they're organic. In, there's something yeah. to that where I believe that way more than the quote unquote realistic CGI turtles. Yeah. That are in the new. It's stuff. a video game then. That's yeah. what it becomes. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. an animated movie. Yeah. 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 Word. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's Toy Story. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. but uh, writ large. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, give me, give me more of that, because I'm definitely gonna have that nostalgia feel when I start seeing some of those creatures. And I did yeah. when I rewatched these Hellboy films. I was like, oh, these are people in the real world. You yeah. Know? And someone had to take great care to not only wear that outfit or be under those tons of prosthetics yeah. or all that other kind of stuff. And um, Harbor seems to be game because he's in all that stuff oh, he's so cool <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah i'm interested because of the fact this is now like this is the proving ground for david harbour with this movie and then you have what's her name the one who plays 11 on stranger things with the upcoming godzilla oh uh, um, millie bobby brown yeah, yeah. Millie bobby brown yeah this is gonna be like uh, can they do it in a non-stranger things film well and can they hold like the attention of an audience outside of netflix yes yeah, yeah. that's true and yeah. finn wolfhard which is the most metal name i've ever heard in my life yeah, i love him he he's doing a lot of movies and it's mostly movies where he's you know riding a bicycle which uh, he's really gonna be typecast <laughs> bicycle kid just somebody on reddit made the comment he should be uh doing a lance armstrong movie <laughs> like it, that but he's doing a lot of movies, unfortunately, where it's kind of Stranger Things-esque. Yeah. It was basically Stranger Things with a clown. Right. And I feel they've got to, like, see, how can they how can they do in a non-Stranger Things kind of film? Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, and especially to see, like, can they be marquee names yeah. that bring in people? You know, because it's one thing to have, like, Stranger Things be uh, a selling point where it's like, oh, well, it can go home and... Binge watch my thing on Netflix and not pay any money to go in a theater, but wasn't, wasn't the movie Ken like the main selling point was from one of the producers of Stranger Things? Yeah, oh, I, I love yeah. those weird tangential credits that they try to put at the beginning. It's like from yeah. a guy who knew the guy who cut the lawn <laughs> of the guy who made Power Rangers. Like, so one, what is that supposed to do for me? That one upcoming horror movie from Sony. It literally says. From James Gunn, the revolutionary producer of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, it's yeah, Brightburn. Like Brightburn, yeah, 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 yeah it's So true. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really curious to see um, how audience who audiences who don't know about Stranger Things or you know just any run of the mill audience member takes in David Harbor. Well, you, it's know? Weird. you know, we were talking about like the Del Toro stuff. Um, felt like stuff like Blade and um, his earlier work felt like auditions for stuff that he would eventually go on to do. Right. Um, am I wrong to say there's a lot of 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 uh, Sergeant Hopper in in Chief Hellboy, Hopper, yeah, in, in Hellboy. like yeah. a lot of it's like 
I don't want to be here right now, and I don't want to deal with this right now, but I'm the only one equipped to deal with this right now, so I kind of have to deal with this right now. Well, it's super funny because actually the way that David Harbour got the role is because Mike Mignola's wife was watching him in Stranger Things, and she's like, you know, that kid right there. It could play Hellboy, See, and it's so true. It's so true. Um, that's why you know. That's why Netflix is important. See, people just scrolling. All of a sudden, you recognize somebody, yeah, and now you want them in your movie. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, um, a lot more of that in his Hellboy than in uh, Perlman's Hellboy. A lot more yeah. of this frustration with dealing with like uh, we're still doing this. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. I also find it funny that David Harbor is he's a kind of like an ancillary character in Stranger Things. To an extent, it's more of the focus on the kids. Yeah. But out of all of them, he's the guy that gets the lead movie. It's like, huh, yeah. that's weird. Because he's got that personality. He's got that dynamic where he was one of the most important characters in Stranger Things, even though he was a side character. Yeah, he doesn't extent. chew the scene or demand the attention, yeah. but somehow his his path and his plight are some of the most interesting parts of that show. And a lot yeah. of it is just the relatable plight of, I don't know how I got in this situation, but I'm gonna try to do the best I can to not fuck it up more. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 hopefully, hopefully, fix it. Right, fix things. Right. And um, he was not a a uh, squeaky clean character on that show. No, and, uh, either. no. You know, he, he had a drinking problem. Yeah, he was not hard stars or horseshoes. And yeah. he did his Hellboy. Yeah, and I think that that's gonna add uh, a layer to this. But um, we got a new villain in this Hellboy uh film, Nimway. 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 So she's yes. the Blood Queen, but. We were talking a little bit off air. It seems to be like there's going to be a combination of characters. Yeah. So I think it's really important to know that, like, as we've been saying throughout this episode, that um, the a lot of Mignola's work is related to folklore. Yes. And in this particular story, it's really related to Arthurian legend. Yes. And uh, Nimue is actually the Lady of the Lake. Yes. And so she, um, and that's why Loki, little little uh, Easter egg thing. If you watch the latest trailer of the movie, they use the song Smoke, yeah, on, the Smoke Water, on the Water, which yeah. is a low-key little, like, fun tribute to the fact that, oh boy, you know, fire is yeah. going and creating smoke on the water that is, is the, lady the Lady of, of the, the Lake, lake yeah. which I, I love that choice. When I heard that, I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That um, second trailer was a lot better than that first one. Oh my what? god, oh yeah. On the topic of the yeah. first trailer, though, why did they use Monet Monet? I think the, the the thing with the marketing team for this movie is they don't seem to understand how to balance the people that only know Hellboy from the Guillermo movies with the people like me who are going because of the comics. You're looking for the deep cuts. Right? Yeah, the they don't know how to balance like, he's still funny, but it's R-rated. And yeah, there's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. people that get like decapitated and yeah. like stuff like that. There also seems to be a formulaic way of these superhero trailers. Yes. Yeah. Where you're doing it to a certain beat, everyone's doing it to some kind of cover of some song that you know. Yeah. And then you do the you do the title card reveal and then you do the stinger joke at the end of it. Yeah. And it's every trailer ever all the time. It's a formula. And yeah, and so I felt like with that it was definitely um it, it was weird. A lot of people took umbrage with how Hellboy was used and they almost made him look jokey and he is he does more than quips I think he does one liners yeah he's yeah. the 90s action star he's not yeah. the you know he's not there like Ant-Man always got or Iron Man always got something to say right. but he will say like you know 
say cheese and then throw cheese at you. Or something. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. Kind of like, yeah. Well, and, and he, you know, again, like a lot of his like heroes that he looks up to, he's the one that says like the kind of sarcastic like zingers. Yes. You know, like like I said before, he will say things like to this respective like wonderful like you know indigenous culture like um that's really stupid yeah, like yeah. you know like and and so. I actually really appreciated in the trailer, the first one, that they showed the scene of him coming into the secret BPRD headquarters that's in, like, a London bar. And the woman's like, I need to see an ID. And he's like, um, are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that, that is exactly, like, the kind of humor that I love from Hellboy. But I know a lot of people will be like, um, that's the same thing as from <laughs> So, like, I just don't understand. Dead. <laughs> you, know, you just brought up something that might be uh, also a little bit problematic for the film. If I'm not mistaken, um, you know, we made a lot of uh, comparisons earlier in this episode to Men in Black. Yes. Men in Black will also be taking place in London this year. Yeah. When, when, when it's reboot. I wonder, does that come out this year too? Yeah, and it its does. trailer was released the same <laughs> week you as know? the first so, I mean, I hope, I hope. Yeah. It just creates interest in both, and the, yeah. everyone just goes see both. Yeah, but there, that's very similar. Like that idea of like we'll take this international. Yeah, or, but I, I will say in Hellboy's defense, it doesn't have Liam Neeson in it. That's true. That's true. And uh, Liam Neeson's creating a, a lot of fun yes. conversation. Are they going to reboot Liam Neeson? <laughs> when is that happening? Oh, I think yeah, I think the the, the, the Liam Neeson That's it. That's it. We're going to just reboot his like everything, everything about him. Oh yeah. my god! We're yeah. just going to put him in a green book, and then this is going to be all oh. these yeah. seven passed out. That's yeah, all no, do. it's so true. But anyway, um. Sorry, back to Nimue for a yes, second. Blood so, God. yeah, so Goddess. yeah, so the the thing that is um really important is that there's a lot of villains that are in like the Hellboy world, and one of the ones that I particularly really like, and I apologize to the super fans that I mispronounce her <laughs> name, is uh Heshate, I believe right. is her name. Um, so she is actually the uh goddess of witches, yes. and in uh her storyline or the multiple arcs that she appears. In the Hellboy world, she is constantly telling Hellboy, like, you know, do you really care about these human dudes? Like, yeah. I'm this really sexy witch lady. Why don't you come be with us? Again, like, very similar to Hellboy 2. Why don't you fight for the creatures that you actually came from and not these ones that hate you? And yeah. you can totally tell that in the trailer or the new movie coming out that that is definitely the direction that they're making Nimue. So yeah. she's a little bit of his shape with Nimue, but it's like an old, it's own kind of brilliant like mixture. Like right. she's like, um, um, I'm here to kill, you know, humanity. This is what but I'm here for. by the way, for. if you want to date, yeah. I'm but totally by the way, you could be my king. That's it. I'm, 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 totally, I'm totally down for that. And the story, um, the movie seems to uh, be taking a lot from the Wild Hunt. A yes. uh, story that Nimue appeared in. Yes. And um, this story deals with Hellboy getting called back to England by the Osiris Club, a club reference in one of the trailers. Yeah, so, and in a clip, too, that they released. There's a lot. So yeah. I, I watch these trailers, and the tra- it's it's crazy how comic books work, right? Because yeah. I watched these tra- the, the first set of trailers early on, and I was like, oh, this looks cool. But then I read the stories. Yeah. And then you watch the trailers again and you can be like, oh, but that's and oh, and yeah, that's, yeah. it just is a more rewarding and enriching experience um, because you find out um, without too many spoilers that Hellboy's called back to the Osiris because I mean, called back to England by the Osiris Club because they're going to go on what they call the wild hunt, which is on occasion in England 
random giants just get loose. Yeah. <laughs> and so they have to get together, band together in a kind of like buoy buoy kind of way and just go yeah. And, yeah. and and just they go giant hunting. And it's it it's played up like if they're hunting deer yeah. or they're hunting anything else. It's like just like we go on these hunts like this. Here's a picture from the hunt from 1935. <laughs> here's a picture like we, we do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, he's brought into there for that. But we also find out that um, the Queen of Blood is being raised by Garrett. Guru Garage. Guru Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. We're mispronouncing these Goulash. Yeah. Goulash. Um, yeah, he who has a bone to pick with Hellboy. Yeah. And he wants to get this uh blood goddess there. Morgan LeFay shows up. Yeah. And um he inform she informs Hellboy that he's the last descendant of King Arthur and the rightful king of England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and meaning that he's the only person that could combat him away and her hellish army and that he will be able to, once he pulls Excalibur out, um, he'll be able to command the Legion of Undead British soldiers? Yeah, so he'll be able That's to... That's very specific, but I did... Yeah. Did, I did, 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 it's a like... specific market. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he'll be able to command, um, essentially, all of the fallen knights of the Aetherian legend. Like, every single person, warrior that has died in England, he's going to be able to resurrect. And the reason why, also, he's able to do that is because um, his uh, mother, who is a witch, Sarah Hughes, she um, has relations to Arthur. Yeah, That's she was where one of the, the last descendants of the pen, man, a pen, pen dragon. Pen, pen, yeah. yeah, pen dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think one of the coolest points of the story, and uh, one that I want to focus on for a little bit, is this idea that, um, first of all, Hellboy's constantly getting put in these positions where he's told that his destiny is to do X, Y, and Z, and he's constantly fighting against that. Yeah. Um, they put him in these fatalistic uh, situations, and he, he does not dig that at all. Um, so what I like about this is that early on in the book, he sees a bunch of giants, yeah. and they kind of cut away. They don't show you exactly what goes down between him and these giants. Yeah. And so they eventually are like, you need to pull out the sword, Excalibur, and he's like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not about that. Stop yeah. telling me I need to do it. I'm not about it. And um, eventually he's able to uh, have a conversation where he's like, I know that all this sounds crazy and the whole thing about the sword sounds crazy, but I met some giants earlier and I grabbed the sword and I killed the hell out of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah. And I liked it. He was like, <laughs> he was like, and now to hear that I'm supposed to pull out this sword, like everything is lining up and I enjoyed that way too much like i hacked and slashed those yeah. giants way too much fast forward to the trailer there's a shot of him with a sword attacking a bunch of uh, giants yeah and i'm like oh we're gonna get like this whole like giant slaughter oh yeah and it's r-rated this film yeah. so i'm like i hope they go all the way with it so um i've been keeping up with this movie like right hardcore and uh -huh. i've listened to people that have gone to test screenings and a bunch of stuff and uh there's definitely saying that there is a lot of incredible bloody violence and you can even tell like there is a scene where nimble it's pretty obvious it's nimble nimble and hellboy are making out and oh, there's just, just blood oh, yeah. <laughs> and i'm like Black again so so yeah. again so metal um but like you can definitely tell that 
in like a featurette they also released that they are pulling straight from the comics. Like, yeah. There are there are going to be like frame for frames that are exactly like the Wild Hunt or one of my favorite stories that's definitely getting featured a little bit is Hellboy in Mexico, yeah, which is yeah, getting a bash. little bit, yeah. yeah, which is awesome, and you get to see Hellboy wrestle a vampire. You know that's <laughs> gonna you go. be awesome. Um, you know, so again, like there, like the things like that of you seeing that in the trailer. That is a really big point that Neil Marshall, the director, is going for, is like showing these really iconic frames brought to life even more so than they were in the Del Toro films. And I'm so excited for that. Do you think the idea of making a movie where it is shot for shot, certain panels from the comics, beneficial? Or could it be a little bit of a problem with the source material? Because I saw Shazam and it was straight up Jeff Johns Shazam. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, you know what it is? I, I think that these comic book movies ultimately obviously the first um the first goal is to make money second goal is to entertain but somewhere in yeah. between that first and second should be a breadcrumb trail to the comics yeah i think that you should be introducing these things to people who feel like they don't have the patience or right. the or the understanding of these characters enough to want to engage in in longer form storytelling of right. these characters. Right. So if you can accurately portray what makes the comics work in a film, you can lead those breadcrumb trails so when someone picks up a book, because I don't know necessarily if someone saw Hellboy 2004 and picked up a Hellboy book, if they would be like, oh, this is my bag. Like, yeah, I dug yeah. What I dug from the movie is what I dig from the comics. So if you create a disconnect that's too wide, where the movies don't look at the look like the comics in general, people will just dis abandon the one that they didn't like. It was nice seeing a lot of it's nice seeing like a lot of the DNA in the film, you know, yeah, from its yeah. source material. Because Logan is one of my all time favorite comic book movies, might be like top two or three. Yeah, right. And the thing about that movie is this: Old Man Logan is a completely different mo uh, book. Yes, and the only thing it really has in common with Old Man Logan is. They're both old. That's yeah, it. Right. That is it. Yeah, yeah. And to be completely honest, I thought Logan was a much better story than Old Man Logan. So it was nice to see something that improved on something that was it was okay. Yeah, look at Civil yeah. War. Look at Civil War. You know, the yes. scale of that is, is is dramatically smaller than it was in the comic books. Right. I mean, Ant Man right. was in there. Yeah, right there. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah. My boy Ant Man made the Avengers poster. His <laughs> yes, first he finally, poster. finally. Congratulations to the biggest little guy right there. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh man. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited to, um, in my opinion, see visuals that I have always wanted to see be brought to life in yeah. a very metal Game of Thrones, because Neil Marshall worked on two very iconic episodes of Game uh, of Thrones, um, to be brought with that style and pizzazz and grit. So I'm very excited. Yeah, because um, Nimue's whole deal is that she went crazy trying to get the same dragon, Adju Jahat. Well... Yes, but the important thing also is that in the Fury, she is the vessel oh, for yeah. the Adru Jihad. Okay, so it, they got the vessel and the key. Yes, yeah, she ah. essentially becomes it. Oh, wow. And um, actually, there's like, it's a very big thing where in the comics, they make this allude that Nimue is like this very all-powerful thing. Right. But she's kind of silent. Like, yeah. she's sort of kind of like... um. In a way, like the the um, you know hidden weapon that okay. like people just sort of like talk about, but right. they, you never really like see the power of it. You know, she's kind of like Snoke. 
Okay. You know, because Snoke, I feel like in the in the Star Wars movies, is always hyped up like he's like the craziest, like, oh my God, he's going to wreck everybody. Right. But then finally when we see him, slash, I'm sorry to spoil The yeah, Last Jedi if you haven't seen it, but, you know, immediately he gets chopped up and yeah. killed and we never see him fight or do anything. Yeah, he was only half yeah. as good in that second film. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to see this new take on uh, Nimue, but I have heard in the test screenings we do get to see her body parts that are chopped up that are in oh, boxes. Because wow, awesome. that's the thing is that um, yeah. Nimue is also considered the most powerful uh, witch that was mm-hmm. part of that tribe um, in the movies and also in the comic. And essentially, uh, the other witches of England were like, girl, you so crazy. We need to chop you up and throw you away because you're going to just keep coming back together. As you do. And if we don't <laughs> lock you up in boxes, like every, you're just going to keep forming back and causing havoc and we can't deal with that at yep. all. Um, so yeah, no, I, I absolutely... Yeah, so they liter- literally, uh, instead of just like putting her like burying her as is they kept cutting her up she kept re um regenerating yeah. and so then they cut her up and then put her in a box and locked all those pieces in the box yeah they probably should have burned the box too. right yeah but, no um, but that's what uh Garugarash is looking for is yeah. all of her pieces so if apparently he's in the trailer. yeah oh yeah no My he is but apparently like that's like a thing you're going to see her like bloody disgusting limbs and boxes and i'm like so yeah. hype for that <laughs> let's, talk a little, let's talk a little bit about um alice and hellboy in this film so yeah alice is in this film yeah like you said this was a uh a um a child that uh hellboy was saved when she was younger yeah and comes she also has some sort of mystical background as well right because in the wild hunt they reach back up and it's been quite some time yeah and i don't think that they both aged appropriately so it's it's very interesting so she is found as a baby in 1955 uh-huh. but the wild hunt i believe takes place in the 90s yes. or in at least the 2000s maybe so my theory is that because she was raised by fairies they endowed her with some sort of like you know slow aging right 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 magic yeah. of some the sort. residualness of being around magic might have yeah rubbed yeah up on yeah and i'm I'm very curious to see if this is something they continue on in the movie because the way that they uh, they've uh, cast Sasha Lane, yeah. who I love as an actress, she was in American Honey uh-huh. and in a bunch of other indie movies I love, but um, she is very different. From the Alice Moynihan in yes. the comics. No, yes, she is. Yeah, because Alice Moynihan in the comics is a very Irish, yes. little beautiful lady who has got red hair and is very Celtic and very much so. But in this new movie, she does yeah, not she look like, like that at all. She kind of like a little bit of a badass. Like she looks yeah. like she has a chip on her shoulder. Yeah, and she's got like a really cool brass like knuckle ring thing, which I never was in the comics. And I'm very excited to see how that works out. Do you yeah. think they play up this... I saved you as a baby and now I want to date you. So I've heard through reports Uh that that is not a thing. Okay. Um, It it, it is a tough sell to some people. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I I wish it was a thing to be honest because um, it's it's really cute. If you look at the uh, Comic-Con footage, Sasha Lane talks a lot about how she's like, I just wanted to stroke Hellboy's chest <laughs> all the time because of the chest hair and I was really into that. So I was like, oh, does that mean like they, they have a thing? And right. it, But it's interesting, actually, in a most recent poster they uh, released online, there's apparently a shot of Hellboy holding Alice in his arms. Okay. So 
I've also heard reports that he makes a point to say that Sasha makes some sort of like, I have a thing for you advances. And he says, I w- I cannot date a human Oh wow, that's because a big, uh... I'm a demon. Yeah. And that might be the reason why he feels some sort of obvious, very obvious sexual tension with Nimoyite because she's not really a human. Yeah, she's it's not breaking his rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. So we'll, see. we'll see. Yeah, but they are going to be leaning towards that King Arthur stuff. Oh, yeah. And yeah. with the with the trailer and with the um, the stuff in the Wild Hunt, I, the one word that we continuously use on here is metal. And that's exactly yeah. what it is. There's footage of him riding that dragon through like the undead army right which could mean that he's riding him away yes 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 <laughs> which means that she got oh her wish my. that means that uh joe Vish got her wish yeah that, uh, yeah that's... or not because maybe that's not what she wants that kind of and maybe it's because it's what happens in the other films but that scre- um seems to me more like a um dream sequence or like one yeah. day you will be the one to because that happens a lot in those movies but yeah. the only time you see him in um fully horned and on fire is when they're like, and you will be the one to, you know, like it's a prophecy yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. So I can see her like whispering this in his ear and she can, he can see of all that there, but they, like we were talking about, there's a definitive, um, direction that they're trying to go into. So yeah. I have some word, um, some words here from, uh, makeup designer, Joel Harlow, who said, um, they, he wanted to make the monsters and the world of Hellboy as believable within the context of the world that they inhabit. This is something that you were speaking towards. Yeah. Um, for the horned version of Hellboy, Harlow, Harlow chose to make that version an amped up version of the regular Hellboy. Say, we created a look that was more amped up with facial features to make him more Hellboy. We gave him a larger jaw, a heavier brow, a vibrant yellow, um, uh, eye look, larger teeth. And of course, extremely large horns. And I, I, I agree. You see all those things on him. He does look more monster esque. Yeah. They almost pretty, pretty them up for the Del Toro film. When we brought up the point about him holding her in her, his arms, for some reason that reminds me of like old school horror movies. Oh yeah, that, yeah. When I'm thinking yeah. that, I'm like, that's like the first thing that pops in my right, head. Right. Well, it could be like a nod to like Frankenstein yes. or, or or Dracula or any of those things. Leave which... it. Leave it to them to do the dark universe better than the guys who yeah. <laughs> Well, and again, you know. I think my boy Del Toro also could have done. Oh, that's no, no, essentially what Shape of Water was was a low key <laughs> version of uh, the you know creature from the Black Lagoon. So um, yeah, but like I am, I I honestly a lot of people are very uh, negative towards the new look yeah. of Hellboy. Yeah, and I'm particularly a really big supporter and lover of it because another thing that um, bothered me so much with the original movies now that I've seen what could have been is um, I feel like they never made Hellboy look buff enough. Yeah. And now I'm like, that dude would scared the shit out of me. Yeah, he looks like you a know? brute. He looks like a brute. Uh, Harbor looks like a brute. Yeah. Um, sh- uh, Should we be excited for the idea that this is rated R now? Yeah. It, does that give this a license to um, enrich it or are they just going to pat this with a bunch of F-bombs and... Uh, I hope it's not going to be like that because... In a post Logan world, you want to have like a nice balance of horror. You are not horror. You want to have a nice balance of violence and adult content. Yeah. yeah. But not make it be like, hey guys, boobies, boobies, boobies. Yeah. Blood. Here's the blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like the 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 thing that um 
you know, is another really important thing that's happening in this movie is we're finally getting the uh, featured live action debut of Ben Dynamo. Yes. And Ben Dynamo is a very underappreciated member of the BPRD. And he's a character who essentially is a Marine that goes on um, this big mission where he has to go to, I think it's South America. And uh, he gets essentially all of his Marine army mates get killed by this cult who are worshiping a Jaguar spirit and the Jaguar spirit takes over Ben. Yes. And I think you cannot do a PG 13 movie (laughs) of uh, the Jaguar transformation scene. Like that, like the fact that in that, even in just that trailer, we saw his nails like ripping through, ripping through his skin. And yeah. And even though like the way that they're doing the Ben Dynamo design of him as the, uh, wear Jaguar, um, to a lot, some people were like, "Oh, this is just Jungle Book." Like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to me, I feel like it's as accessible you can make it, um, without also losing the grotesqueness of yeah. it. And that's the same way I also feel with his facial design because some people don't like that he's not scarred up enough and you don't see like his but, teeth. And, yeah, and he yeah. as cuddly as Baloo. Right? Yeah, yeah. So. yeah exactly. There's actually that that um when once that character was placed in the film, it actually caused a little bit of an uproar. Yeah, because uh, our boy. Uh, Francis Ed Screen Ed Scrine uh, was cast, and people were like, "Oh, this is whitewashing again." Yeah, and so he was all like, "Up, oh, I'm leaving." And yeah, he left, he left and so now um, we do have an Asian actor for the role. So yeah, we do. Um, uh, oh my god, I, I can't believe it. I'm forgetting his name, but it's our it's our dude from Hawaii Five O. Yeah. Who? Um, oh, why can't I remember his name? But it'll it'll come to me in a second. But he's great. Oh, Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, yes. yeah, Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Daniel Day Kim. Uh, I, I actually think like they should have just gone with his casting to begin with because he looks like Ben Dynamo, yeah. like, like just the way his but facial it's, it's features just so are. Weird. Like the idea that like now that. He- uh, Ed leaves, then they choose to make him come. Yeah, like, like they just done that from the beginning. <laughs> I know, but you know what's so interesting is, it, uh, so in you know to market this movie, they did a lot of uh, interviews with the producers, and they just straight up said like, "Yeah, we made like a stupid mistake." And yeah. I think uh, one of the really interesting changes they made that isn't accurate to the comics is that Ben Dynamo in the comics is. Japanese American. Yeah. But in the movie he's gonna be British. So I guess that's why they were thinking of casting it screen because they wanted just like uh, another yeah. like everybody's from Britain and they work yeah. in the BPRD. Which that like which, from London. Yeah. Which that works for their Asian markets that we were just talking about earlier, right? Right. Idea, right. Like what well, I wonder why Asian people are not coming to see our films. Well maybe you keep <laughs> yeah, yeah. movies. Right, and know? especially because now we've had crazy rich Asians, we can clearly see that there are a Lots of incredible Asian actors that know ho- that Hollywood isn't giving enough attention to, mm. and also that there's uh, Asian actors that can have different kinds of accents. So yeah. like it, it doesn't like matter. You can be from anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, I don't know. Just that was a casting thing that just drove me nuts. And apparently, yeah. something that Daniel Day Kim said on set is that the uh, makeup on his face was actually the exact was was modeled for Ed Screen. Oh wow! And so they, it didn't really fit 
his face properly and right. that also might be why we don't see through the cheek yeah because uh i guess they had to modify it really fast just to fit him yeah yeah and the, i know that's a, something that a lot of fans are bothered by but to me i'm just like whatever it's okay like he looks yeah. good it's and he's you know he looks like ben dynamo he walks like ben dynamo yeah good it's fine i mean we um they're they're making a bunch of changes Hopefully all good. Some are going to be good. Some are going to be bad. Some obviously um, people are going to have um, take um, umbrage with. Yeah. But with the you sitting in the director's chair, what do you want to see in this remake? What will make this movie uh, for you? Uh, well, for me, the thing that I really want to see is a Hellboy that is completely unapologetic okay. of what he is. Um, I don't think I'm going to get that in this, which is fine right but uh that is the kind of hellboy that i love is a hellboy that feels the weight of the world but is also like this is me and i don't necessarily 100 percent want to change that about me yeah and i kind of like that cocky confidence is coming a little bit through in this movie but i'm not sure i'm gonna get it um the other thing that i'm very excited about is i'm finally getting the movie version of my favorite hellboy character which is Lobster Johnson. Yeah, we gotta talk about my boy Lobster Johnson. Yeah, so as someone who loves um the Phantom and lots of like serial nineteen forties yeah, style comics. Um, yeah, the Phantom, the Spirit. Yeah. Who's the other one? The Shadow? Is there yeah, the Shadow. Shadow. Yeah, the Shadow. Yeah, the Shadow. Doc Savage, yeah. Yeah. Savage. I love that sort of like uh, you know, uh pulp. Pulp character who's yeah. like ready to like kick some Nazi butt and some mobsters and where you literally know, everything is exposition. They open the door and yeah. they're like, hey, Doctor So and So, I'm So and So, and I'm here to stop you from doing So and So. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I am beyond excited to finally get a movie version of that. Um, I would like to make a prediction. Oh, right. Um, so I don't think that they're going to use the Torch of Liberty in this movie, and that uh, Lobster Johnson is going to replace the Torch of Liberty in okay. the. Uh, you know, origin of Hellboy scene because that's clearly happening in yeah. the movie. Um, I did like how that was described in the trailer. Where they're yeah, like, they're like, um, some great evil is going to come and destroy all the world and whatever. And he's like, oh, when's that happen? And she's like, oh, you're already here. Yeah, <laughs> I love like, that. Oh, yeah, I love but that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure that Lobster Johnson is going to be the one that's there. So he's gonna give him the Samaritan. Yeah, well, the 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 claw. He's gonna give okay. him the claw. There yeah, go, yeah, because he he brands his he enemies has a with claw the claw on his hand. He yeah. brands people. Yeah. With the claw. Yeah, and it's badass. It's like the Phantom Ring, I think, when you punch somebody in the head. And yeah. And it stays, yeah. The mark stays on you. Yeah. And everybody knows that you're, uh, you know, no good yeah. ne'er-do-well yeah. out there in the streets. It's so cool. I'm I'm so excited. And Thomas Hayden Church is playing him. Batman's going to be in there. Yeah. yeah. And Are they saying what capacity Lobster Johnson would be? Are we going to see, like, old, real, kind of like, like, you know, uh... <laughs> Popey yeah. adventures in in a shadow um esque thing is this gonna be something that because normally Hellboy this is somebody that he looks up to this yeah is a, this is a character that he you know wants to emulate like the, just a good right. old fashioned hero um taking out Nazis and he was literally born in that yeah you know yeah. um that was the first conflict that he had to deal with there so I'm excited for the character just because the you need to understand the medium well to parody it yeah and they parody Pope characters in lobster johnson so well so and well. it's it's a level of 
of brilliance and understanding. Like, yeah. I, the, you can only tell, you can only make these jokes because you understand yeah. this so much. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that that translates um, into the film. Yeah. In relation to what you're you know, saying about the whole aspect of the pulpy heroes, what I want to see in the film is like a bit more of an emphasis on like his early days. A little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. yeah. But still, you know, have it be in the 40s. Do some stuff in there. See what they could do. You know, utilize that. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of these movies, yeah, they'll do stuff in the 1940s, but it's not yeah. that you know accurate yeah yeah and i also in relationship to that one of the things that i love about the hellboy comics is that they're a very like chill somber kind of film noir style comics yeah, yes. and i want i want that feeling i don't think i'm gonna get that from this movie nope. and yeah. that's okay yeah. um but that is i love that sort of moments where they're like all right guys we're going into the boardroom and we're gonna look through the slideshow like yeah. you know and yeah. just long exposition like spiels i don't think we're gonna get that um my other thing that i actually briefly mentioned before is um i'm very nervous about this interpretation of professor broom Yes, uh, played by Ian McShane. Yes, who is actually was a friend of John Hurt. Ah, and that's that why he took the role. Awesome, awesome. Um, that John Hurt voice, man. You uh, watch those movies, like... So good. He's just, Go like, bump in the night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, this guy's great. It's so good. Um... But yeah, so one of the things that's very confusing is that in the trailer, when they showed the flashback scene of Hellboy, you know, coming to the world... Um, Ian McShane looks exactly the same yeah. as he does then in the present. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, I, I, okay, <laughs> like that was an odd choice. He also choice. doesn't look like a professor, and I don't know what a professor should look like. Yeah. But he just doesn't look <laughs> well, like. Well, he a doesn't professor. have like the cute glasses, yeah. and he doesn't look old. Right. He would be 103. Oh, <laughs> that 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 does a lot of math there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clean yeah. living. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense to me, no. unless they're like. He took some immortal like juice or something like. He seems to be a little bit more of a hard ass toy. Oh yeah. Than than old broom. Yeah, he seems a lot more like. Yeah, like I found you and I raised you, but I want you to do better. So you're not doing better enough. Like get your get get your shit together. (laughs) Stop eating pizza and pancakes and get out there and do it. But there's also this whole conflict where Hellboy in the trailer is saying that you know. You raised me as like a weapon. Yes. You know, and you acknowledge that. I did hear that. that. Yeah, yeah, I did hear that. And um, he is a weapon pointed at, you know, I guess the um, malicious, um, paranormal uh, entities that are out there in the world. Yeah. But it, it is a case of that. It, it reminds me a little bit of Captain Marvel, where the idea is not that the character is a character at all, but yeah. a weapon. And all we need to care about is where in which direction that weapon gets pointed. Right. And hoping that we're pointing it in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, with that there. How do you think that this movie can stand out from the rest of the comic modern, uh, modern comic book movies? And we go also have to add the fact, because that side there speaks to me of this idea that you also got to remember this is the same year that in, um, Endgame is going to drop. You Not even the same year. A yeah, week, a, a week before. Yeah, a week before. A week before, yes. Oh. It used to have its own month. And now a week before, um, it'll be dropping with one of the biggest uh, weighted comic book movies in the history of the yeah. world. It's going to be rough. It, yeah. This movie was originally, so this was something I was a little a little low-key pissed about. So okay. a non-disclosure, my birthday's in January. Okay. And originally this movie was slated for a January release. I do release. remember that, yes. And I was like, 
am I gonna get a Hellboy movie Hellboy on my birthday? birthday? And, then, <laughs> and then I Spoilers, did. Spoilers, she did not. I did not, <laughs> and I did not, and I was very sad. So, um, you know, I, I love Lionsgate for their brash confidence that they feel like this movie can make money, mm-hmm. but I'm also one of those nerds that, uh, checks the seating and ticket sales of my showing. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of very few people that are going, (laughs) and I'm I'm very. I'm going to check mine. Yeah, I'm very, very sad to see that. But Mm -hmm. I think, I think the thing that will make or break this movie is we have not found out what the budget is for it. Okay. And a lot of people have said uh, from behind the scenes things that the only reason this movie got made is because it was under a certain budget to which Lionsgate was like, okay, sure, like do whatever you want. We're okay with throwing money at. Blood Queen got it. Oh, yeah. No, Done. by the way, I just saw my ticket showing. Yeah, yeah oh, you're one of like what five people that are going. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, that'll be fun. Yeah, but like again, I think it's important for us all to realize they they made the very bold decision to make this movie rated R. That's a yeah. hard sell right there. It's gonna be in the middle of Shazam and Shazam. That was one of the things is they they marketed this Hellboy movie as being an IMAX. Shazam yeah. is taking most of the IMAX theaters. Oh, man. So Shazam I was really good. yeah, and I was so excited to see this movie in IMAX. And as a New Yorker who hates the Forty Second Street AMC <laughs> and that being my only IMAX choice, I was like, well, nope, this isn't happening. Right. So uh, you know, I was um really disappointed to see that you know. A lot of the movie theaters were siding with Shazam as being the money maker. Yeah, and that I mean... yeah, and I mean, and listen, like I get it. It's that DC money is real sweet, sweet. Like if you want to suck from the teat of DC, yeah. like I get yeah. it. Like yeah. I get the it. Deceit. Yeah, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I really feel like it's a niche market. It's an R-rated movie. It's not a big star. Just like the same situation with Ron Perlman. Um. You know, it's going to be a hard R. Yeah. This is not even Deadpool. Like, yeah. Deadpool yeah. was was hard, but it was funny violence. Yeah. This isn't even going to be funny violence. Right. So that's what I'm very nervous about. And I'm also... It, it, the make or break is going to be the budget and the critical response. Yeah. And I know already so many movie critics that I can just... That I follow and I love that are just going to hate this movie. Oh, man. And I, and I, said, I said this to everyone and I'm going to say it here. This is a movie that's not going to be for everyone, but this is a movie that's for me. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are going to feel that way. And I'm hopefully those are the people that are going to champion it to at least succeed in the ancillary market. So, yeah, I, I'm going to answer um, what I want to see in the remake uh, with what can uh, how dope uh, how boy 2019 can stand different from everything else. Okay. I, I'm going to need a, a certain level of confidence yeah. in um, the world that Hellboy exists in. I feel like even though we had those two movies, they never showed the broadness of scope that this is the things that they deal with in New York yeah. are things that deal with all over the world. Right. That um, the idea that um, the Hellboy could be operating in one place, but other BPRD members could be operating somewhere else. Yeah. Like I would love to see this, the full scope of this because if you can come into this with uh, a swagger that says, oh, this is only half of our world. Like right. you have no idea. Right. And it almost will dare you to want to get in deeper. Right. Whereas I feel like um, sometimes with these complex worlds, they try to uh, shortcut um, the world. Right. So they can just give you the basis. You got it. You figured it out. This, I want you to leave with questions of going, wait, and that does what? And wait, so 
they have an agent that can do. It should leave more uh, questions than answers. I feel right. like once you're done with Hellboy 2004, you're done. Like, yeah, that unfortunately, story, the story yeah. ends. There's not not really uh, much to go on from there. But I'm excited for this. I am too. In all honesty, I mean, at, like I feel the the trailer, the initial trailer, it was kind of. I remember I was you know telling Dalen about this when it first happened. I'm like. I don't know how this makes me feel. And right. I kept watching it again. Yeah. Money, money was stuck in my head. It kind of <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah. And then I watched it again. I'm like, eh, I can. I, I think I can like this. Yeah. Like, I'll be fine. Yeah. We're in good hands. And I'm one of those people that believes that, um, from a marketing standpoint, if you don't make a first impression that's great with your first trailer, then you suck. Yeah. You know. And I. So I'm. So I know I'm also a really big supporter of Alita Battle Angel. Right. I love that movie. Um, the first trailer was terrible. Yeah, it was. But the, <laughs> but the movie itself was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it constantly makes me so frustrated, especially from someone who also edits, that uh, they constantly hire these trailer houses that are just, you know, producing crap. Yeah. And this is an example of Lionsgate hiring a really crap uh, trailer house to make that trailer and i feel like a lot of people are going to base their first impressions or their overall impressions of the movie on that first impression of that trailer such a weird yeah. exercise like you would think that these people would be in the bag for these movies or yeah have seen it yeah to know what the best beats are to take out of it no but they literally just make things up like how yeah. do i want to sell this yeah um and um i point to the bohemian rhapsody suicide squad thing talk about suicide squad again oh, yeah. you see that and it almost looks so artful yeah like we're gonna get this like weird artful but the bad guys are the good guys yeah almost tragic and and shakespearean and nope narrator we would not no 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 narrator and then uh without me by eminem starts to play (laughs) (laughs) it's it's funny because when shazam came out they preface it i think the second trailer it was said to eminem's my name is and that's not at all the kind of humor yeah so I understand why, because he says his name. Ha ha, honka honka. But it's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Stop trying to take shortcuts. Just learn the material, learn what's funny, and work with that. Yeah, Yeah. well, and especially, like, even with the posters for this movie, they have the worst Aren't they all, all like all hell hell. one hell of a hero? Well, no, the worst one was, so the first poster for this movie was beautiful like uh-huh. it's a shirtless shot of hellboy and there's like flames and his eyes are glowing and then it says legendary af yes I and i'm just that. Like, i remember that i remember, that. I remember that. you were doing so good yeah i remember that you had one job yeah 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 is that more of the studio just kind of yeah, oh, yeah. The, yeah. Hey, the kids say af right yeah. okay cool yeah well no and that and that is a marketing team who is so worried about this rated r bloody niche movie making money that they are just like we gotta just throw the like lamest thing out there so the kids will dig it the kids like the Fortnite, right yeah yeah yeah. well it kind of reminds me of um some of that venom um stuff because i remember venom went out of his way to be like it's not what everyone's superhero movie it's not gonna be everybody's cup of tea it's not your you know it's not your granddad's superhero movie like a turd in the wind. <laughs> that almost that almost becomes its own cliche of saying it's yeah. not gonna be your granddad. So you don't want to fall into well, that. Well, that's marketing itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you end up just falling into that uh, rabbit. I mean, um, hamster wheel yeah. of the same cliches being thrown out yeah. of like this changes the genre and it flips yeah. it on its head yeah. and it's not your grandfather's superhero movie. And it's like 
My grandpa had great superhero movies. Like, <laughs> like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with. There's absolutely nothing wrong with any of those things. The spirit, the phantom, I dig all that. Stuff. Yeah, that's my that's my cup of tea. So, no, no, yeah. but I, I seriously dig it. But um, we will be reviewing this film on on this cast. So I I um I'm going to see it. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. Um, your opening day. This is, this is opening uh, so day. I'm going Thursday night. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Oh, Thursday is the new opening day, man. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you people, yeah, bro. If you yeah. if you see a worldwide release. Odds are there's theaters in your area that will show it on the Thursday before. Yeah, so I'm I'm really low key hoping I can find a 4DX screening because oh, I need be to amazing. have my seats move Immersed. with Hellboy, and I need to I need to smell Hellboy. Ah, okay. I need to Snowboy. <laughs> I need Snowboy, yeah, because yeah, uh, David Harper wrote a hilarious oh, tweet no. <laughs> where he said like, so uh, I've heard of, um, that there's like 4DX screenings, and I've smelled the smell of Hellboy, and it's up. Uh, quite nice you gotta be fully immersed in the experience you do you do um i i'm not gonna lie though going into this i will have been the most excited if i have been for a hellboy movie because now i have the baggage of the of the research that i've done the the stories that i like i'm gonna be looking for more specific things so um i think that's important i think um anytime uh, you find yourself if you are a fan of let's say the Marvel and the DC the Superman and the Batman anytime you find out there's a comic book property coming out and you have a little bit of a um, hesitance towards it I would say go to that source material go to what made this property what made people want to give a chance to this property and stuff Um, uh, Tangent uh, I was able to watch Umbrella Academy or even things like Doom Patrol and there's so much their source material yeah. that whether or not you like it or not really doesn't matter. No it, no, it doesn't. It exists on the strength of of its identity, right? And you right. can choose to want it or not. That's the kind of swagger I need Hellboy to have. And I understand that money's on the line. Yeah, but yeah. you have to come in this like we're doing something cool over here. If you're not in on it, yeah. then that's fine. Yeah, because we're gonna keep doing this cool thing. Yeah, and people will naturally be like. I want to see that cool thing. What's that cool thing going right, on over there? Yeah. And you can end up bringing, but if you're get, if you start to beg people, they can feel the neediness. Yeah. And they're just going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to go see something I, else. I really want to encourage your viewers to, mm-hmm. um, give the clips that the Lionsgate has released a shot. Yeah. Cause in my opinion, I actually feel like they're better trailers than the trailers. They are. Um, yeah. cause like hearing, hearing, the Osiris Club mentioned and then hearing like there be like a tour of like the Osiris Club room and then hearing Hellboy say like I don't want to put on the deer head like yeah. like all of those things are just they like they say freaking they go um yeah you know because we got a giant problem here in England He's yeah like, okay what, what kind of problem the guy's yeah. like yeah giants literally giant and when he said that I had just read it so I'm all like I'm connecting the dots <laughs> oh, like, everything's connected such self respect towards the uh, source material yeah, yeah. Mike, is good. yeah you Mike is that. supposed to be on there right? Uh, you know helping this move along and I wanted to end um, things by saying that um, there was actually a little bit of an interview done by I think Sci-Fi Wire with yeah. uh, Mike and he says that he, it's hard for him to watch some of these adaptations. Yeah. That they feel divorced from his original material. Yeah. 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 And I can understand when something's that close, when you're working on it that close, and yeah. you literally are the last, um, you know, checkpoint. Right. Yeah. That when someone goes, yeah, well, that's not necessary. You're like, what do you mean it's not necessary? I spent three months writing that, and then yeah. I conceived it, and I thought about how it would work in all in the world. And it's always, what, I always yeah. go back to uh, Eric Larson with his. Uh, he had a Savage Dragon cartoon. He did, and they said, 
oh, we need you to have this, this, and this. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm the guy who created this. Oh, we don't care. Right. And it's a shame. And you have to pick. You have to pick your battles. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to open the gates for um, way more people to view your medium um, than any than ever before? But in the same sense, are they viewing the right version of your medium? Right. You know, I, I, we talk about the the Man of Steel stuff, and it's like Man of Steel made more Superman fans. But did they make more of the right Superman fans? Correct. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's they're those Superman fans, and that's that's fine. Everyone can have their fandom, but you don't necessarily want um, people to latch onto the wrong or the mischaracterizations right. of certain people, right. where they're like, "What if? What if somebody's like, oh, 'Oh, I'm definitely gonna go see the third Hellboy yeah. uh, because I completely dig the 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 Liz Sherman love stuff, and I know I'm gonna get in the third one.' And it's like." Nah, bro, that's not even, not only are you not getting in the third one, don't look at the books because you're not getting the meat. You're not getting it there, no. Yeah, so you have to be really careful of what you choose to um, magnify in these senses because you should be magnifying what makes the comics or or the original source material great because then it will just lead people right back. Yeah, or you can also go to the comics to find the things that probably inspired the things in the movies that you liked yeah like if you really dug hellboy and liz is a thing look at uh hellboy and alice yeah they're a very very different couple but they also have that powerful like relationship romance and in comics in general look to uh like we said before again with swamp thing and abigail yeah these stories of 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 um almost forbidden love you know love locked between two different worlds yeah and that's all great but um, yeah, you guys got to make sure that you guys uh, are here and listen to the uh, Hellboy review. But it was a honor to go through this Hellboy um character analysis. What what a hell of a character! You don't get staying power like this without care and attention being placed. Yeah, thirty on the years, man. Yeah, yeah, you don't get that without quality assurance. You know, yeah. Mike uh Mignola working on it um and giving his his love to it uh it becoming almost an accept, uh, uh, obsession that brings the character to a close at a point. Like yeah, we're talking about him, he yeah. gets a definitive ending. And um just like all the stories of old, we need to get to that good beginning first. Yeah. And then maybe yeah. we can and maybe we can get to that ending. Yeah. You know, um but hopefully this sticks the landing and that's that's what we're all hoping for. And then for, we yeah. can get a cinematic ending finally. That's it. Cool. We can lay our Hellboy to rest. Yeah. And that that's going to be a hell of a thing. But um no if, yeah. <laughs> if but if you guys uh like this episode, we got so many more um, in the in the library in the backlogs, as we like to say. Um, and you can go and uh, I want to thank you guys for listening so far into this one. But if you want to listen to all of our previous episodes, you can go wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app on any iDevice. It's already pre-installed. I don't know how they do that. Now uh, have it, yeah. It's already pre-installed in your device, so just uh, look up the Major Issues Podcast. But if all of that's too hard, uh, go to Google. Search Major Issues Podcast. We're literally the first ones that pop right up. And it's uh, the newest and hottest, greatest way to talk about the things that come to comic books and comic book media. So um, if you guys want to reach out to us, you can always email at comicbookclick at gmail.com, um, facebook.com slash comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, or use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're available on Twitter at Major Issues uh, CBC. And once you put these uh, podcasts into the ether, they go everywhere. They're yeah, like on YouTube. Yeah. They're on websites I've never known before yeah. that I've picked them up. So literally Google Major Issues Podcast and uh, you will find us there. 
And if you guys can, if you guys um want to do us a bit of a favor, leave a hell of a review for this particular this podcast. Guy. <laughs> and and uh Listen, uh, stars four through one, they don't even work. Don't worry about them. Just go straight for the five. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, go straight for the five. And it does, if you're able to uh, rate and review us, especially give us a five-star review, it does two beautiful things. One, it tells us uh, what you like and don't like about this. So it helps us improve as podcasters. And two, it helps us grow our audience so more members of the clique can find us. I've been to the future and we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books, comic book media. I can't talk more past that. Because I might break the time continuum, but yeah. I'm telling you, we're on the we're on the money. So make sure that you're on the bandwagon before the bandwagon gets too full. So how Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot again? Oh my God, Martha! <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> and uh, don't forget that you can follow our great guest here to uh, today. I guess uh, one at a time. Be. Well, not, uh, ladies first. Oh, uh, so yeah, I'm Dalen. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm at Magic Alamode on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also look up my various work on SlashFilm and LeonardMolten.com. Oh, it's amazing. I'm at Peter Melnick on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook at facebookcom Podcaster. And you can also check out The Marvelists, available on all iOS and Android devices, much like comic book clicks. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Get on it. Get on it. Both of these uh, people do tremendous work in the work that we care about. So make sure that you like, share, follow, and follow what they're doing because something tells me this is not going to be the last time they are here in studio. But I am George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Dalen Roll. And this has been... Our one hell of a hero, uh, Hellboy characterization, um, podcast. And remember, whether or not your right hand was melded with the right hand of doom, whether you are some amphibian lover, uh, just trying to get your love on the other side of that, whether you're some weird clockwork sand Nazi monster, um, that's oddly specific. Very, <laughs> very oddly, very oddly specific. Remember that we're all monsters in our own way. We are the click and you, yes, you are worthy. <laughs>